0: GM everybody, welcome to Flywheel. Your number one source for everything, Frax, DeFi, and all that's in between. If you want to know what's going on in the world on chain, well, you come to the right place. This is DeFi Dave, here with K, and we are here to help you harness the power of the Flywheel. And this time around, we go to the wonderful world of options. And we have on the premier folk, we have on some real OG anons with Cozy, the legend himself, and DK uh, to talk about everything that cooking up at Premia, including uh, some, you know, in, interesting uh, composability and caveats. Uh, Kit, what are your thoughts on this episode?
1: Uh, I thought this episode was a nice blend for anybody, mm-hmm. uh, for everybody. We start in the beginning with the products, with the tech specs, and kind of going a bit deeper for the shape rotators. And then at the end, we hand it over to, uh, you know, our decentralized finance, David, here with the word Selly. And, you know, kind of took us word home selling. with that nice.
0: Yeah, uh, I would describe this as a very well-rounded interview. A little bit something for everyone. A little bit for the DeFi yeah. heads, you know, a little bit people that like love to like dig into the math and the numbers and the finances. And also for like, like you said, the uh, word sell, like uh, DAO politicians and, you know, politicking yeah. enthusiasts yeah. out there. So we have a little bit of everything.
1: Yep. We went from talking about Deltas to DAOs so like, yeah
0: <laughs> from was, deltas uh, to dows a conversation with premium finance uh yes yeah, so a little bit of something for everyone so we will not delay but before we go into it make sure you go ahead give us a bell hit that right now subscribe leave us a comment let us know what you think give us a like every little bit helps make sure you follow us on all our social media at flybo DeFi on twitter tiktok and telegram make sure you you know Give us a subscription on our newsletter, FlywheelDefi.com. You don't want to miss out on any alpha, do you? So go ahead, FlywheelDefi.com right now. You can follow yours truly on Twitter at DeFiDave22. You can follow
1: me at 0 capital underscore K. And let's get the flywheel spinning.
0: Do you hold ETH, but don't know what to do with it? Want to earn those juicy liquid staking derivative yields, but don't know where to start? Well, FraxETH is there for you. Frax ETH is Frax's native LSD solution, allowing you to earn boosted yields in multiple ways on your ETH. If you want to get started, go to app.frax.finance and turn your ETH into Frax ETH today. All right, everyone. Welcome back to Flywheel. I'm your host, DeFi Dave, here as always with Capital K. And this time around, we're going into the metaverse with our very own Catboys from Premia. We have on Cozy, the legend himself, the OG, and DK uh, from Premia. They've been around for several years now and they have some exciting products, including uh, FXS Frax integration that just went live recently. So Cozy, DK, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks,
2: Thanks for having us, this. Dave.
0: Yeah, uh, and yeah, I want to just get right into the FXS integration right away because that's what caught my eye. Uh, because like this this is the first uh, fxs options on chain ever and this adds like a whole new dimension for people with that want to hedge or have fxs price exposure so you know let's get into like a quick some like a quick what is offered in this vault like what Premier is and what this fxs vault is yeah i'll i'll, I'll kick it off so what premia is is a defi options platform
3: right um, we recently launched our v3 in in the, towards the end of september what that allowed us to do is we can bring in, if there's an oracle that exists, we can make a market for it. Mm. Right. And so uh, on Arbitrum, uh, those assets, you know, FXS and, and Frax both have oracles. And then what we can do on top of that as well is we can model an eyeball surface and then provide a type of product that essentially prices the options for you, given, you know, change in price, change in the you know, implied volatility um changing you know the, the the time till expiration there's quite a few parameters that go into it and uh the way that we built it in a modular uh, fashion is that we can expand right and because of all the, the necessary inputs that we needed uh, existed we were able to, to spin up a, a vault product which if you deposit your FRAX into the put or fxs into the call pool what will happen is someone comes in and wants to buy an option for those it will then price them for you right so
0: hmm. uh,
3: you, you're collecting premiums right if you're writing in the correct direction and then you're also, uh, you
0: know, we have the STIP incentives, uh, which is, which are we added on top of Ooh. that as well. Yeah. Can we, like, walk through a step-by-step process using FXS and FRAX as, as an example, how Premier works? Okay. Yeah.
3: So <clears throat> let's say that I am bullish on Frac, or excuse me, bullish on FXS. I got a bunch of Fracs. Um, the market is, is a pair, right? So Mm -hmm. it is going to be priced in that pair. What we do is we chain multiple oracles together, right? So we can Mm -hmm. either just do like, you know, an FXX to USD, or we can do an FSX to USD and then a USD to Frax. And that's kind of, I think how how this implementation is, is, uh, is working. And, and so one thing that kind of caveat with this is our vaults are not Delta neutral, so what that means is you need to have a tradi- like a directional bias, right? So in this example that I'm, that I'm going to showcase to you guys, I'm going to put FRAX in the put vault because I think FXS is going to go up. And thus, if I'm writing puts, right, I then collect those premiums as income. And if the price continues, to, if it doesn't move or it goes up, then those Options will expire out of the money, and I get to collect that that full amount of premium, right? So it's, it's a stream of income if I'm holding a bunch of some fracks.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So in this example, I hold fracks, I deposit into the vault, and that's it, right? The the Everything else kind of happens for you. Now, if you're a trader, which is, you know, a different user group, right? So we have, uh, we have the liquidity providers. I just gave you an example for that. We have traders as well. And I come to the platform, like, I am super bullish on FXS. I think it's going to go. I think it's going to double in the next month right? in so the pod. let's go <laughs> <laughs> you can come to our platform uh, pull up that that pair it'll show you where the liquidity is, and by default, we have a certain like option specific metrics like like delta and and we bring on chain every i don't know it's on Arbitrum, it's pretty quick, uh, but we bring on chain through an eyeball surface let's say every fifteen minutes. And so I come onto the platform. I say, "Okay, let's go strike a strike of fifteen or whatever." It will then quote that asset, how much that's going to cost me based on all those parameters that we kicked in. That's that's tied back to the vault. So then, in this example, if you had deposited FSX in the in the call vault, maybe you were bearish on FSX, <laughs> then you are willing to write a bunch of you know uh, call options in this example. So I'm a trader. I come in, I get a quote. Let's see if it doubles. You know, if you're if you're going for a double in a month, uh, it's going to be pretty cheap, right? Because you know it it depends on how volatile FSS is, but uh, not too volatile because everything in the, in the crypto market is usually probably, is usually a pretty high beta play. Like it's pretty correlated overall. Um, and I can go into the eyeball surface if you want, but that was a lot.
1: So tell me where I should slow down. Uh, I follow it so far, but Kit, did you have yeah. any questions? No, 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 we're good. So, 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 uh, DK and Cozy, just one one housekeeping thing is, uh, on Flywheel, we are known to be the pod that goes really deep with all the you know all the founders and builders that have come on. Like, feel free to just let your freak flag fly because that's what you know Flywheel is kind of known for, and our audience is more you know towards the. Expert slash, you know,
3: intermediate Experience. side of
1: DeFi, so they're okay. definitely much more experienced. So, yeah. I, just
3: riding. I never, there. I never know how deep I should get, so I like try yeah. to tippy toe around.
2: Uh, yeah, we no, were on with. Uh, I'm trying to think who it was. Maybe, um, uh, maybe I think it was Hero. Maybe and like they jumped right in talking about Ivo and then he and then afterwards he was like, I should have walked it back. You know, we're doing this for the beginner so we like stepped it back a minute.
0: No, this is for the intermediate to advanced. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, we we had on like infinity pools and a bunch of other options protocols. So like we've run this gambit before. And so it's like, oh, that's why I love having options protocols on because it's like you get really deep into like how the mechanics works, different implementations, different philosophies. Uh, That's a question I'll ask later in the pod. But you mentioned the eyeball implementation. Um, Can can you uh, go into that a bit?
3: Yeah. So, one thing that kind of makes premium unique is for altcoin options, we are one of the only ones that will actually quote that asset for you, right? Like
1: mm-hmm.
3: um, our algorithm will, you know, our algorithm um, algorithm on the smart contract will uh, essentially um, play as a broker role between a trader and a and a liquidity provider. And so, the way that we can do that is that we need to bring in the implied volatility surface on chain. And that is one of the parameters that goes into a, a Black-Scholes pricing model, which then we use to to provide quotes if you wanna buy or sell on the front end. Mm. And so the way that we do that is obviously we have the mature assets, ETH and Bitcoin. They have a pretty mature market structure uh, on Darabit. All right, so we use that as kind of like a starting point. Got it. Um, we then kind of look at the specific asset that we're, that we're going to compare against. We run it through a Monte Carlo simulation in which that we kick out a, a derived implied volatility surface based on some of the, the different parameters and correlation between the mature markets.
0: What's a Monte Carlo simulation? Like Monte Carlo, the casino.
3: It's, it's a, it's a mathematical model, um, there's a lot of different models for, to get uh implied volatility okay. derivations um i'm not going to pretend like i know which one uh <laughs> the the name off the top of my off top of my head uh but our, our research team um they all came from a background of either being uh, market makers on the buy side in traditional finance um uh, mathematicians, uh, but in mm-hmm. terms of what thing that they all have together is, they're all machine learning specialists, right? So yeah. we run it in a simulated environment for a while. Then, once they're kind of comfortable with the the way that the model uh, kicks out, we will then bring that on chain, and then we write it on chain. You know, uh, it, it kind of depends on on chain, but at least at every thirty minutes, right? And especially since the market has been pretty volatile lately, then you know we want to kind of push more regular updates if we can.
1: So, yep. Dave, like the easy way to think about Monte Carlo simulation is just you set certain parameters and then you hit run and the model will give you like a ton of scenarios that could happen. Mm-hmm. Right. So just, just think of it like that. And you okay. just kind of jam it in there and see what kind of scenarios arise like the most often. And then you kind of derive like, okay, you know, you kind of get like this bell curve situation. To yeah. See yeah, It's, what not, really it's not perfect. It's not uh, but, it's but it's a game probability
3: it, it, it works yeah. it's been working for us it's it's a yeah. actually a little bit better fit model than what we had in v2 mm-hmm. and then one thing that we look that we're kind of looking at is okay well right now you have to have a certain amount of liquidity for us to create one of these vaults for you right mm-hmm. um you have to have a certain amount of trading volume <clears throat> you don't want to be in a situation in which you know a. 30k buy order will really move the price of an asset so much in which that your entire implied volatility surface is now wrecked all right so that's what we RK have we have certain requirements more. in terms of what assets we can list when what assets like as a vault which ones we can't and like we can support anything with an oracle right and and you can do that uh we actually you know you can create a chain to gmx fx uh you know option if you wanted. I don't know why you would want to, but you can't because you can chain those oracles together. Uh, but in terms of the vault products, we need to make sure that we're comfortable with the, the risk of our depositors uh, and the model that it kicks out before we do that. And so we have like certain criterion on trading volume. Uh, and one thing that we're, we're in, the, in the lab right now uh, looking at is can we model this out in more of a machine learning neural net scenario that is more responsive to zero liquidity or a very minimal liquidity uh,
0: uh, altcoins. So, yeah, let's get into that actually. Uh, wait, Cozy, were you about to say something?
2: No, oh, I will add one thing like something kind of cool. That is um, around this topic, you know, DK has been talking a lot about, you know, um, the use of chaining oracles and creating uh, markets, you know, that didn't exist before. And part of this, you know, we brought in FXS as well as FRAX. And I tweeted about this. One of the cool things about this is even though the market that that uh, we kind of marketed and we have evolved for is FRAX shares and FRAX, uh, supporting FRAX and FRAX shares, On Premia allows you to now create a market for anything paired against either of those on either side. So you can do, you know, if you're not someone that wants to use USDC and you'd like to create markets all with Frax, you can create a market paired against Frax for every asset that's supported on uh, Premia, as well as you could, you know, create it for any asset that meets the uh, the other specifications. You know, just because it's not supported on Premia doesn't mean you can't use our Oracle adapters to create uh, markets for other assets
1: got it. Dave, before we, we dive in, I wanted to ask a question about like who's the counterparty and like how does the liquidity side of the equation works? Like you you mentioned the vault and then obviously LPs are in there and then the traders come in, are they just smashing against the, the LPs or you know how, how does that whole f- a flow of orders look like?
3: Yeah, so um, we have three inventory sources right now. We have the vault which is the primary inventory source today?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I don't anticipate that it will be the underwriter of you know of the the first underwriter on the list in you know three six months time. But right now, you know that's that's the that's the easy solution. Uh, it's easy from a liquidity provider. You just you know you deposit in there, and premiums premiums algorithm will kind of sell that those options for you when there's you know a buyer on the other side. And uh, again, but like I said. In a random walk scenario, maybe not the best um, to deposit into those, you typically want to have a directional bias, right? Like you want to be selling puts when you think the tokens are going to go up and you want to be selling calls when you think the tokens are going to be going down, right? And another way that you can, because of our platform, we pay for premiums in the native token and you deposit in the native token. Um, Another uh, one thing that's obviously not financial advice, but another uh, strategy that we do see is that if you're bullish, on ETH, and you also want to get some of the, the yields that come with ETH, then you can use a, a lending platform, borrow against your ETH and stablecoin, and then deposit that into the put. And that, that's how you still have your directional uh, long play on the spot asset, and then you also are writing puts. Um, so yeah, back to your inventory sources. So we have the vault, which is the main underwriter right now. We also have functionality for an order book, which we actually have the order book on chain. It lives on Nova. Uh, we just use Nova as a decentralized database, really. It's it's more for, a, uh, you know, if anyone else wants to index uh, the orders, if, you know, someone wants to double-check to make sure they're not being censored or front-ran, then you can check it on Nova. We just re-index it, and we bring it to the front-end. Uh, and then we have uh, we have different, like, programmatic elements. We have API endpoints, SDK, uh, that if you are a programmatic trader, you can then plug into those, and we'll take care of the, the Nova integration for you, and you can just you fund an account, and then you can kind of trade through it. So we have the order book, which, um, I can go into more detail, but it, it's, it's straight, you know, limit orders, uh, you can cancel and correct, you know, as many times as you want. I think our API is like, I don't know, 10,000 cancel and corrects a day before, you know, we, we try, we ask you to share in the gas cost, which is like, I think we have it like $20 right now is the top tier, uh, $20 a month. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, it's, it's not a lot of, uh, in cost. And then we have our range orders, which is the AMM part of our exchange. And so it's a concentrated liquidity range orders, a similar concept as a Uniswap concentrated liquidity, only we have this added dimension of, of time, right? Because there's always that expiration side of things. Right. And so it's, uh, it's, it's in simple terms, you can deposit within um, similar to how a Uniswap one-sided deposit would work. Is probably the best way I can explain it. So on Uniswap, you have let's say ETH and USDC, and when you deposit an LP, you'll put in like fifty percent of each, or you'll put in one hundred percent ETH or one hundred percent USDC, based on if you like essentially want a TWAP. On our platform, it's like that, but it's with collateral and short options. So short options just means like you're selling the options if someone else is buying the option, then they're going to be long options. So in our example, if I were to deposit ETH. As collateral, uh, I'm in a, in a long, in a long, excuse me, pool. As someone comes and buys, my collateral will then get utilized and then I will be selling long options and then I become short options as my collateral gets locked up until expiration. And then if someone comes in and wants to sell, uh, I'm buying because it's, it is similar to the Uniswap model where your ratio is changing, now you're less collateral and you're more short options, but then someone comes in and wants to buy those. Um, then you can, you can end up back at, at 100% collateral and you just pocketed all the trading fees within, you know, as you progress through that range. So it's, it's a little bit more complex than a Uniswap model, but I like to use Uniswap because it's what everyone understands, right? And so that's our range orders. That's our AMM. Uh, it's hit or miss. I would say that similar to the problems that you have with a traditional Uniswap V3, Pool. you have the same things in an options pool of like it's you know subject to being front ran by arbitrage there's you know there's, there's some downsides if you're not actively managing it then mm-hmm. um you know it's 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 it still works and it still will capture spreads for you and uh, especially if you like bought when things were like relatively cheap and now you're looking to like t-wap out of a position it's a great use case for that however uh you're going to front run if the, if the market moves a lot on you. Now you're selling options that are not quite uh, priced correctly, right? So we have some things that are coming out in the next week or so that will allow you to actively manage that um, yourself. Like we give a whole suite of tools uh, that you can, you can use changing prices to then recalibrate your range orders and constantly deposit and withdraw from them. Uh, but as it stands right now, those are the three inventory sources. And then uh, the biggest thing that we've been working on since we went live is market makers, right? So I think the biggest use case uh, between premium and uh, let's say a, a centralized ex- uh, exchange like Darabit is there's a lot of spread to be captured. There's a DeFi premium that exists. Um, how can we make uh, how can we make it work with different market makers that are willing to capture um, that spread? And collect that premium between you know essentially extending the premium uh, order book to a centralized exchange, right? And this the only way you can really do that at scale is if if uh, you hedge, you hedge the other side, right? Others are going to take mm-hmm. the directional bet as a market maker. So, knock on wood, yeah. we got one week till then, and then we'll be uh, we got our first market maker that will be providing that service, and then all things kind of come in, come in line. So, I mean, it's a good time to bring on Frax. Uh, Hell yeah. Sure. A for lot sure. of things are
1: converging this week.
0: Yeah, I have a yeah. question when it comes wait, wait, to...
1: Did, oh, before you get there, let me summarize what, what DK yeah. just said, because it was, it was quite meaty. Um, just so, you know, for, for the listeners mm. who kind of got lost in the sauce a bit there, is that there are effectively three uh, sources for inventory. The first one being the vaults, which effectively would write, options towards any strike price at anything, and the the trader can just slam into it. Then you have this super sick design of like an order book, much more standard. You can kind of basically cherry pick uh, which specific strike you kind of want to, um, you know, provide liquidity for and and pick out of. And then last bit is like this concentrated AMM where you could really focus in on your liquidity on certain uh, strike prices or even expirations that you so desire. So those are the three inventory sources, and obviously liquidity is a huge, huge element of of writing options because that's just literally the lifeblood of it. And you guys are working with a market maker to really deliver that to the users, and that's coming literally within the month. Is that is that a accurate summary? No, a knock on wood, uh, end of week.
3: But yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it will be here. It'll be here in December uh, for sure. For sure. Just in a for make Christmas
2: with the the vaults they they will no longer underwrite anything uh our Mm v2 vaults were full range and they would pretty much Mm -hmm. underwrite anything that anyone wanted to purchase up to 90 days out our current vaults will only underwrite i believe what uh 20 delta and up to 35 days so Mm uh there there is some rails uh involved in that to try to minimize loss you know um uh, one thing that uh i know we're probably going to do more but you know one of our our my kind of goals is to, to to cater to LPs, right? To minimize the loss because in a lot of DeFi vault and mm-hmm. a lot of options platforms that existed in the past, the, it was on the short end for the LPs. LPs mm. were the ones that were getting wrecked. Yeah. Um. Yep. So there was a lot of kind of thought that went into like uh, e- liquidity mining and emission design for like vaults and you know like the the architecture for the vaults and things like that to uh, try to not make them. Uh, uh, as risky, quote unquote, as some of them that existed in the past, including our own. Oh, let's right, get right. into
0: that, like what's going on with the LP vaults and, you know, making life easier, making it safer and less risky to LP. Um, so what was it like before? And what is it going in, What is it going to be now for LPs uh, on Premia?
2: Previously, the way that our V2 vaults worked, I kind of summarized it um, just mm-hmm. a moment ago, but they, you could, um, as an LP, when you deposited in to any of the vaults, they were they were the same where, you know, you either deposited um, ETH into the, the ETH call vault to essentially be short or um, stable coins into the, the put vault to essentially uh, be on the other side. And uh, the difference was that those would underwrite anything. So any, any strike uh, that people wanted for the asset up to 90 days out. It was an automated
0: uh, market taker. <laughs> it took anything.
2: Yeah, it would would take anything maker, but yeah. maker, 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 taker. Maker. Um, and they were American style. So like people could exercise anytime before expiration. It was an AMM so people could sell their positions back. Um, whereas cool. now the vaults are are have some safety rails to them, you could say. Um, they're buying and selling options within the vault. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll only underwrite up to 35 days out. They underwrite with a standard delta of 20, I believe. Um, oh, okay. So they're, there you know some safeguards in place to try to uh limit uh some of the losses that could have been incurred uh in the previous model of the vaults and uh one of the new vaults we're introducing is uh, like a buy sell vault uh that's with our solana vault where users can you know buy and sell back to the vault rather than needing to just sell their option position onto the open market Um, that one is, uh, it limits both gain and loss a little bit more. Uh, but if it works well, then that may be something that, uh, we implement into the other vaults more. So if, if that's something the community wants, like if they like the way that the Solana vault is operating right now, then, um, maybe we upgrade the other ones. Okay. Yeah. They they have different use cases.
3: mm -hmm. Um, the, and we're still kind of split internally on what the, uh, we have different, um, opinions for sure. Uh, yeah. on on which one is the best for different market conditions. So we're playing around with the the new implementation on the Solana Vault. Um, it's, it performs a lot better if the utilization of the vault is high. So like if there's not a lot of liquidity but people are continuously buying um, because it wants to essentially close out that position and then write another option, right? And so it, it, will, it will take a, excuse me, sorry. It will take a less of a gain it will kind of take a capped gain in a sort to be able to write more volume, right. To have higher turnover. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, we're excited about it. We'll see how it works. Got it. Uh, we got to give it some time. Uh, but in our simulations, it, it, it looks really well. And, and especially, like I said, high utilization vaults, it performs really well. Um, it also performs really well. If you're writing, if your directional bias is kind of is correct. Right. Cause then people are like, okay, well I'm just going to exit this position because the price keeps on going up and I'm, you know, I think it's going to go down, so I'll just I'll, I'll eat my loss today, and then that vault can underwrite another option.
1: Yeah, and, and Cosy, you mentioned that it's only going to be selling at at you know basically point two delta. So these are just out of the uh, out of the money options.
2: Yep, I think is s- that right?
3: Twenty to twenty to sixty, I think, is the range. It, depend, it depends. It depends. Yeah, it depends on the asset, but I don't think it's. I don't think it's. Uh, we have to, we have to double check the range, but like right now for, because the markets have been like ripping um, mm-hmm. and the IV service is kind of all over the place, uh, volatility is super high. Um, our vaults are going to be very defensive and what they're kind of going to be, be kind of be, be riding. Right. And so uh, if you come to a platform today, I mean, I haven't checked in, in since this morning, but because the market's ripping higher, my assumption is that the amount of strikes that were uh, that we're providing right now, that the vault one right is pretty limited. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So it's a it's a blessing and a curse, I guess, when it comes to liquidity. Is uh, we're super defensive on the LP side, uh, and because of that, then sometimes there's not so much liquidity if you're you trying to come in and 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 buy an option when uh, volatility is high.
2: If if the the inventory is coming from the vault,
3: if the inventory is coming vault.
2: And one thing, uh, DK. That we didn't touch on although we haven't had uh much use yet um is the rfq network you know you talked about um you know limit orders but um uh maybe we could go into just like that existing i think uh you know not very many people offer uh kind of a, a pseudo like request for quote network um and i don't know Maybe yeah, something
3: we I, do, maybe. yeah I, I mean i can touch on it um so like i said we have a lot of the off-chain integration however all the settlement is going to happen on chain right and so we have this ability of the order book where you can do a lot of cancels and corrects the, i would say that the benefits and drawbacks of the order book versus the concentrated liquidity is that twap aspect right so if you put in a limit order for, you know, 100 ETH at a certain, you know, fill, it, it's either going to, it's all going to get filled at that price or not, right? And it's not a fill or kill, but it can get partially filled. But mm-hmm. you're not going to, if people continuously buy in, uh, continue to buy these options, it's not going to adjust the price to go up if there's like more buyers and sellers in this circumstance, right? So like you're not going to be able to benefit from, I could actually be selling these options for more. Um, than what I'm currently have uh, right, on the order right, before, right. so that's one of the benefits and the drawbacks. But you can you can cancel and correct a lot, um, at like almost no cost, pretty much free. Uh, so if you have more of a programmatic uh, connection uh, or you know infrastructure, then that's that's probably going to be the best for you, right? Because if you can cancel and correct like you know every minute or every few minutes, then that's going to be the best model, and you're just constantly consuming updates. You're constantly getting pricing from Bearabit. And so like getting that online has been what's been taking us a while. Uh, the market conditions also in September were a little bit different. And to give you guys a little bit insight into the industry uh, from the market maker's perspective of on-chain options market makers, there's not a lot. There's not a lot. And the ones that actually have the infrastructure to support it, um, right? Integration to the risk systems is, is pretty time consuming. And right, so they have, you know, they got a long list of, of integrations that they have. So it's, it's just a difficult thing. Uh, so it's, it's taken us a while, right? Since, uh, yeah. End of September, but we're, or, we're almost there. Right. So I think it unlocks a lot, right? Because, because we moved to, to Europeans,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, people still don't want to hold to expiration, uh, but you can't exercise as early on our platform. So we need to have that exit liquidity for you in an economic, you know, in price correctly, right? Mark to market. Uh, otherwise no one's going to, you know, use our platform. So that was,
1: that's like the biggest growing pain that we've had, um, uh, while we're there got it and and wait so you you switch from american to european and effectively that's difference is just when you can exercise right one is only at expiration and the other is kind of anytime in between but you're saying people still want to be able to close the positions and that's why you know if
3: i buy an option today and it's a 2300 let's say yesterday i bought one for 2300 eth call and i bought it for like five dollars and eth rips and it still doesn't Mm -hmm. expire until friday but now it's getting priced at like let's say fifteen dollars because we're like within ten dollars of twenty three hundred, mm-hmm. and I don't want to wait until Friday. I'll take I'll take my ten dollar profit and then I, you know I can roll it into whatever. Yep. So,
1: got it. And you know, there's I feel like you know the premium platform delivers such flexibility and options for the users. No pun intended. But where are you seeing the highest you know user activity? Like what? Is this, you know, what is the, the behavior around that?
2: Definitely. Well, God, go right. I was going to say definitely say. on the vault side, like people are, are, you know, we know that we're all like DeFi users ourselves. Like we're all, uh, heavily directionally biased and, uh, and apes. So like, you know, if we see, uh, numbers going up, like we're, are, we're all bullish. And as soon as like, you know, the first stream of red candles come, it's like, oh, it's so over. Um, (laughs) but most people are looking for simple solutions. We see a lot of Mm -hmm. activity in the vaults. We're trying to get, uh, more, more people uh, comfortable with using options. I think one of the big like issues that not just premia, but like the whole options sector is kind of experiencing is that there's this stigma that options are too difficult and they're, they're really mm-hmm. not, you know, um, it, it's more, I think just like an education issue on our end, like not on the user's end, we should be providing more helpful content. We should be providing more guides. We should be uh, making our platforms easier to use, um, and doing more handholding, uh, because options are super useful. They're very capital efficient most of the time, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. in my like current, current environment, if you're not shorting. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, um, I, I feel like, uh, kind of getting these tools into people's hands and making it easy to use. I've been tweeting and memeing a lot about uh, like making market making easy over the last couple of weeks. Uh, We have a a range order bot Mm -hmm. that that the team's been working on that will be released publicly soon. But I've been telling people if they're interested in using it, I'm happy to like get them set up and show them how to use it. Um, because it's really easy and it, it kind of makes, you know, the experience more fun when you're, you're in there tinkering and you have a, a new tool, a new toy to play with.
0: So what is this range order bot that, cause I saw you tweet about that today. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. So it's like, do you set parameters and it, it adjusts the range on those parameters? Does it do it like automated by itself? Like, yep. how so does right it work?
2: Now, right now it's run locally, but you, mm-hmm. yeah, you set all the parameters, your Delta range that you want, the, uh... Uh, strikes that you want to underwrite, the assets that you're you're going to underwrite, calls or puts, um, uh, mm-hmm. your, I think, like gamma range or minimum data expiration uh, that you want to underwrite, and a few other parameters. And yeah, you set those, mm-hmm. you link a wallet that you'd like the bot to run from, and then uh, it will run, you know, the, the strategy, essentially, that you've set for it automatically checking oracle prices checking spot prices and we'll uh we'll deploy new pools with capital um remove you know your capital from those pools within the defined hours or time range you've you've set for it um and yeah it's it's pretty cool i mean i've i've had people purchase options uh that that it's underwritten i've won you know pennies and and lost some you know playing around with it um but uh you know i think uh a lot of us who come into crypto think of it like uh, a game or or are playing with things like their games. So the more kind of tools and toys and gamification that you can provide, I think, adds new elements of fun for the different types of traders. And this is just, you know, one of those tools in the tool belt that people can kind of have fun with.
0: Yeah, it seems like when constructing Premier the options protocol, you kind of had to construct the picks and shovels around it, whether it's like the range order bot, or I, I've even considered like the Premier Academy as like a pick and shovel of like getting people familiar, totally, with not just premia but with options. And it's very impressive what you guys uh, built over there because it's very. I was on it earlier today. It's very thorough and it doesn't just talk about premia, but it teaches you uh, about options and gives you context about options, what they are why people use options, how they work, and then it gets into the premier products. So excellent job there, and I wanna like go into that a bit more. So like, how did Premier Academy come about and what has been the reaction you've gotten to it? What feedback have you gotten to it? What do people like about it? Uh, yeah, go ahead.
2: People, I think generally, Love the Academy. It's usually like the first thing people, you know, talk to us about is how much they they love the Academy. Um, it came about from just the lack of there being educational content about options and uh, you know, DK and some of the people on the, the content side uh, kind of spearheaded that and got things up and going. And the idea was to just create kind of a public good and not like you said, like it's not premia specific. None of it is actually about premia at all, except for some of our like quest courses. Like when we did like a chain link or a galaxy like quest, but everything else is, is platform agnostic. And like, you know, we'd love if you came to our Academy and learned about options and then traded on premia. but, uh, we didn't want it to be, you know, forcing you to, to use premia just cause we're providing this information. Um, and, uh, yeah, it has, like, a glossary to kind of demystify uh, the, the language that's used around options. You start talking about IVOL and gamma and theta, and people are like, yeah, I'm not fucking trading that. <laughs> um, so it kind of demystifies it because they're all concepts that people think about whether whether they're thinking about it or not. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, they're thinking about time decay, and they're thinking about, you know, the the expected uh, price and the, the – uh, and, and you know, a lot of times they're considering historical volatility without thinking that that's what they're actually thinking about, you know, when they're looking at past yeah. price performance um, or or volume, you know, like, all these things are, I think, concepts that, like, every trader is is thinking about, they just haven't put a term to it, or they don't know that, you know, they're actually applying this to, to what they're doing. Um, so we have a glossary that kind of demystifies that and then Um, really easy, basic, like intro to options courses that people can go through, uh, at their leisure, take little short tests and quizzes to test their knowledge. Um, and then more advanced ones. Uh, we partner with Marty. Some of you guys have seen him on uh, on Twitter. He's great. uh,
0: I love his Twitter. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. He's really great. Um, he's put together some, some master classes for us, um, going into more advanced strategies, um, and how he trades options. Um, and we just hope to continue to build on that. Like we'll, we'll continue to build out that academy. We'll probably launch some premium specific sections uh, to to help handhold a little bit more on our own platform. Um, but generally, yeah, people have have loved uh, the the offering all around. Like the aesthetic, the the use of it, and aesthetic the information. The waifus. Yeah, you gotta uh, have the waifus. <laughs> you know, if to- I'm involved, there's gonna be some waifus. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the waifus. Yeah. yeah, like I mean a little extra motivation, you know, for for the courses. <laughs> get a you know, you're successful, you
2: get a waifu at the end. I actually love we should do that, uh DK. Like some some maybe for partners or something. I love that uh I think Llama Nodes does that. If you're like a partner of uh of Llama Nodes that you get a you get a protocol waifu. <laughs>
0: they, they send you a body pillow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I was surprised how quickly uh, I, I had mentioned to the currents guys, I was like, no waifus, I'm um, disappointed. And like literally two minutes later, they tagged me on Twitter, like waifu version for Cozy. So I don't know, the waifu effect, it's powerful, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, at, you know, in the Flywheel Frax ecosystem, we have Frax Bowl, but like maybe we should get some like Frax waifu. Waft waifus frax waifus going
2: you like need an all to black. accompany you, the bowl yeah
0: yeah oh could you imagine something like goth girl frax waifus <laughs>
2: yo That'd holy shit G- yeah. game over
0: game over incredible
2: <laughs> world domination with this one simple trick one
0: weird oh. trick <laughs> goth girl yeah. waifus yeah, wow. yeah.
2: Um, yeah,
1: I, yeah so... actually you know go ahead
2: go ahead cozy no go ahead cap
1: No, so um, I was just thinking, like, maybe I'm the one that's just so jaded about this space because, like, you know, I've I've used D-Hedge, I've used Lyra, and I just, every time I use these protocols, I'm just thinking to myself, like, because I I used to trade um, equities and commodities options on um, TD Ameritrade via the Thinkorswim platform, and, like, it was awesome, right? I loved it. The liquidity was amazing. Like, everything just fits, Right. But then when I tried to do it kind of on on these protocols, it just it feels clunky and it just doesn't have a really great UX. And on top of that, I'm just like, who's going to suffer through this for like, you can't even size in, right? Like the the profit opportunity is not even that large to uh, um, match the suffering here. So I wanted to hear your guys' vision about this space more so than, you know, the current state. Like, how do you see it kind of evolving, and what does that look like? What does that future look like?
2: Well, you you, you said it right there. The current state is there's a huge lack of liquidity in the options markets for for DeFi. Um, I think one of the the, the issues that um, matching pricing, right? Like, you can you get better mm-hmm. pricing on uh, traditional venues. You can fill your orders on the traditional venues, but it's kind of a chicken and egg problem, right? Like, you need the liquidity. On in the DeFi protocols to then match the pricing and be able to fill the sizes and everything. So like um, I I see a world where, you know, I'm I'm a DeFi maxi. Like I see a world where uh, there's more volume on chain than there is on the centralized markets because there's no, um, uh, you're not susceptible to the third party risk of having a custodian. Um, Mm. I wish more people, you know, felt that way. and, And that was the world we lived in now but it's not. So I think in in the process, like while we're, we're getting to that world, um, we need to, uh, you know, create composable systems so that you can do things like hedge properly. Uh, we need to, uh, match pricing, you know, because we can't do it on the, maybe the liquidity side. Uh, we do it on the fee side, you know, so that, um, there's, they're not feeling like, uh, when super price sensitive or fee sensitive mm-hmm. on a market maker side that you're coming and like, you know, you're getting, uh, you're not only getting hosed because there's a lack of liquidity and you're taking the, the a third party, like smart contract risk, but you're also getting hosed because you're paying more fees. So like, just doesn't make sense. Um, so yeah, I don't know. the 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 world I see is that uh, eventually everyone everything moves on chain. Um, you see OKX mm-hmm. like right now they're they're moving on chain. Right. Like you know, it's uh, if they're the leader, if they're the one to take the first step. Like uh, I love to see it, but I hope that's like the direction everything goes. And uh, and if they do, if everything like slowly starts moving to where even there's uh, you know bridges to. All these centralized exchanges and their their on-chain version of them, uh, I think that opens the floodgates for liquidity into oh. the rest of the market.
0: So this is different than like Binance Smart Chain and Base, where like oh it's like you know the branded L2. But I I think I saw this today too, and I thought it was just that. Are you saying that like OKX is like moving its whole platform on-chain on an L2?
2: No, I'm saying I hope I see a oh, world where we do, all, where where that is what happens, right? Where I like see everyone that, yeah. wants to eliminate uh custodian risk, risk. So everything yeah. moves uh to a world where we're, we're all on chain okay now whether that's the reality that like you know if that's just my utopia then then so be it but no, um... i've heard
0: multiple people talk about that like one of the first interviews we did on flywheel with sam the founder of frax is like his goal for frax was to become like the decentralized on-chain binance and then i remember a few years ago uh it was in the summer it was in like the summer of 2022, like June of 2022, CZ did an interview on Bankless, and he talked about like he saw in five years that bank, that bank like BNB chain would be bigger than Binance and centralized exchange. So I think you know a lot of people align with what you're saying. Like eventually, like the the world of decentralized finance will be much bigger than the world of centralized exchanges, and hopefully, TradFi at that rate.
2: In my world, there's no more DaraBit. Pre- there's Premia, and everyone's there's using premia. premia to price their their options. And yeah. their structured products.
3: Yeah. I mean there's there's definitely a few things like industry wide we gotta work closer together with, I think. But what do you think uh, those
0: issues are? Standardization.
3: So standardization's mm-hmm. the biggest one, right? And we're already in talks with some other like uh you can call them competitors, we call them partners, but it's you know people that are building in the same space as us. Is that a they shared call them settlement call? A, sh- a the shared ball-cabble. settlement. The <laughs> Yeah, ball, that's a a, that's what we call ourselves actually, the Vulcan Ball. ball. Um, but yeah, there's 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 things that were very impactful to the industry. So for a regular token, the ERC20 standard, right? Like just having that uh, and the composability that comes with year ERC20 standard. Uh, was key to the success right and so we don't have that for options right so at least a shared settlement layer of you could buy on risk and sell on premiums order book and then you know buy from dopex and sell on lyra that that is probably we need to get there Mm. and it's gonna take us a little while to get there um i don't see it happening probably within the next 18 months but like starting those discussions already of like what does a shared settlement layer look like at least for a fully collateralized option right so like that's one thing I, i i think it's going to bring us a long way when we eventually get there because it's not a winner take all uh there's like different areas that we can differentiate as you know as as co-builders in this space that's the biggest one i would say um and then you know maybe we get to a shared margin maybe we don't uh on-chain portfolio margin is like the holy grail uh it also can sometimes be like a unicorn does it exist especially cross protocol maybe (laughs) i don't know know
0: can we get into what is on-chain portfolio margin So
3: we can start with like isolated margin. So isolated margin is going to be specific to one position. Okay. So whereas I don't need to put up a hundred percent. So right now, if you come on the premiums protocol and you sell an option, those are fully collateralized options. So -hmm. if you're going to sell one ETH call, you need to lock up one ETH until expiration, right? So that's fully collateralized. (laughs) If we introduce like partial margin, par, partial margin or isolated margin. Let's say you come in and you only have 0.3 ETH, and you borrow the other 0.7 ETH, and you pay a borrow rate for that 0.7 ETH, right? So that's so then you can still write one one uh, for point ETH, for, for 0.3 ETH initial collateral, you can sell one ETH of a call option. So that's the first step. Uh, a lot of the like we have the spec ready, we have like the smart contracts half half deployed. Uh, excuse me, half, uh, half complete, but the stip, arbitrage stip kind of threw a wrench in things. Mm. Um, you have to use it or lose it. So we can get into that maybe later. But uh, isolated margin is like the next step for us. And you already see some of uh, the other people in the space have isolated margin. Uh, and then portfolio margin is the next step where all the positions have a mark-to-market value and they can offset the risk that you have. So I think a, a good example of this is uh, a, a combination of a perp product and an options product. So, in a perp product, you get liquidated on wicks, right? Like you get a, you get a sharp wick, you're going to get liquidated, um, especially if you're like really close to what your margin maintenance is supposed to be. However, if you had been holding, let's say, like a put option, as the option goes down in price, excuse me, as the spot asset goes down in price, your put option increases in, in value at the same rate, in which that you won't you won't get liquidated on a wick right so like having that cross protocol uh, uh, margin is is like either you have to build up the entire you know enti- entire yes. stack yourself right and that's what you, you kind of see with like like Avo uh, is just you know build out the perps build the options um, but then you, you're introducing like a lot of risk uh, mm-hmm. and, but also you're like if there are protocols that are experts in this product and they already have PMF and they already have the community then can we build something together, right? And In which introduces a lot of security concerns, but also is probably like the best path forward. Because um, like, you know, I, us at Premium, we don't really want to get into the, the perps market, right? Uh, but yeah. if we, need it, we need a One Delta product to be able to provide a portfolio margin to our, to our uh, users, right? And there's different ways that you can, can do it, but perp is, perp is a great product. Right, like it, it is uh it is yeah. very capital efficient. Uh, people love it in the crypto space, um,
1: yeah.
3: And so, like, it's just finding the right That's partner it. for that, and then building out the accounting, the dual accounting with them, and then creating like a you know like a pilot program and, and getting that over. The, like, it's it's discussions that we've been having. Um, it's not something that moves quick, but it is the ultimate goal. Right, is is mm. getting to shared portfolio margin. I so think you
1: Oh, sorry. No, but, go, go ahead. Again, go ahead. Go ahead.
2: TLDR. It <laughs> the TLDR isolated margin, single position margin, like just one option position being able to take margin out, portfolio margin, being able to take out margin across your whole portfolio of option positions, shared portfolio margin, doing it across protocol. Those are like the three you could say that we're working got on. I, I think
1: it's. I think first of all that is the correct, in my opinion, the correct go-to-market strategy for an options protocol is to work with a perps protocol because that thing, that instrument has found PMF, but yeah. th- there's, there's no denying Full that, stop. that perps have found PMF, right? If options can come in and elevate that further, then I could see adoption for options because people are, well, well shit. Adoption like, you know, for I, options. I, like, I, yep, I love yep. these. I, like, I love smashing And and you know let's let's be honest everybody knows what isolated and cross margins are when they look at a perps protocol but the moment you take that out of context everyone's wait 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 what what does that mean what but then you know what you guys are building is really the the most important layer is cross portfolio but also cross protocol so it's like a double cross cross margin. Because right now I have assets on, say, uh, um, you know, NANs that I also have assets over on OKX because some things are listed on, on both or yep. others. But then, I you know, they, they can't talk to each other. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so then now if one position is down bad, but the other is up great, like I have to now liquidate and move stuff over to kind of top off and, and do vice versa. So so management is a pain, but you know that's why introducing this options hedging layer almost or this you know auxiliary layer i think is like the perfect way to get people to learn about options you know i think that's one of, of the nice things lit. about
2: defi in general yeah. like like you just said like it, it it'd be really hard to get let's say like binance and uh um uh I don't know. We'll just say FT, we'll go in the past. It would have been really hard, you know, uh, to you, to have like Binance and FTX, right? To want to like share across yeah. because they're your direct yeah. competitors in like every way. Whereas in DeFi, like we're not competing with the PERP protocols, you know, so us mm-hmm. integrating with the PERP protocol is, is, uh, is looked at in a much different light from the team when you're approaching them. Like, you know, the, the FTX BD team approaching Binance BD team about something like that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it would have went well back in the day, day, but you know uh, <laughs> uh, as they started gaining market share, like there's no way they're going to want to partner with them and share like revenue or share fees uh, when they're trying to put them under.
0: Yeah. DeFi is just positive some by nature and the opportunity to be more positive, some by nature and work with other protocols because of all the composability and all these fun money Legos that we can uh, create together. Totally. Yeah. Um, Cozy, uh, Kit, did you have any more questions about options? No? No. Cozy, uh, I'm curious because you've been in the space for a while. You've seen a lot of shit go down. why did you join Premia? What did you see at Premia? And you've been there for a while. I believe you've been there since the beginning. So, and you've stuck around. So, like, let's hear your premier story.
2: Almost, uh, yeah. I mean, you could say since day one. You know, not since mm-hmm. the inception of the idea, but I met DK Froggy Lumio and some of the other guys uh, early during like the NFT season of the last bull run, and uh, we were all interested in in building around like NFTs, we were volunteering on a project together and, and uh, just kind of experimenting and having fun. And, uh, you know, DK has a traditional finance background. Uh, Lumio is like one of the best smart contract engineers. I know, Uh, we call him Lord Emperor. And, uh, you know, they were like, Hey, there's there's no options protocol for all coins that exist. Like, you know, why aren't we building this? And the only thing that existed at the time, I think, was Hedgic. And, uh, you know, I, I always kind of give them flowers because, like, uh, even though, like, we, we wanted to build premium in a way to protect LPs. So, like, the things that were happening to LPs on Hedgic wouldn't happen on a different platform. Um, but at the same time, like, they kind of were the ones that, like, paved the path for options in DeFi. Um but yeah, so so Premium V1 was a, uh, you know, decentralized, fully customizable, peer-to-peer options market. Um, you could underwrite, uh, I think we had like 17 of the top like DeFi 1.0 assets at the time. And uh, yeah, you could underwrite anything you wanted up to 365 days out. Uh, we realized pretty quickly that, uh, people don't know how to price options, <laughs> and and they they were at, they asked us to build you know something that would help them price options. So like mm-hmm. that was where V two came in, you know, the creation of an AMM. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there it, it's really hard, and you probably know this. You've been with Frax for a while, Dave. Like when you meet a group of people that share the same vision, are passionate, are honest builders, like um, you, and even not in crypto, but like just in general, like in your work life, you you try to keep those people around. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was, I was lucky enough to meet DK and Froggy and Lumio and the original got, cast of characters, um, early on. And, you know, I, I always say that like, whenever there's, uh, internal, you know, like disputes about something that we're, we're doing our path, like, um, my, my own outlook is like, I will always concede for the best of like the protocol or always concede for mm-hmm. the best for the group you know, if, if like I'm the contentious one or something, because, uh, you know, the, the group staying whole is like very important to um, to me and, you know, like to us continue building the product the way that we wanted to.
0: Yeah. cat boys stronger together. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I definitely hear you out there. Uh, you know, I've known the Frax guys since like before Frax and, you know, going through the fire together and, you know, seeing what they were capable of. And even when I like, went off on my own path for a bit, you know, it's funny, we just had the gelato guys on too, and and they're tremendous builders as well. Uh, And then like coming back into the Frax ecosystem, like there's really something to be said of like building trust over the course of years and going through like, you know, the not so fun times together. And like that builds up over time, That, that accrues over time. And like, You know, in an industry that, like, moves fast and everyone's trying to, like, you know, chase the next thing, like, there's something to be said about, like, sticking with a group of people, even with, like, the Flywheel Boys, even with you, kid, even with Sam, our producer, (laughs) even with, like, everyone at Flywheel, we've been, like, through the thick and thin of the bear market for the past year and a half coming out with the podcast every week. Um, and like just hearing great builders like yourselves out there. And there's something to be said about just like doing the dirty work and grinding like day in and day out. It's not sexy, but like when you look back, it like builds up over time. And now you guys are at like Premier V3 and like you're on the precipice of like a lot of great things. And, you know, so just wanted to put that out there.
2: Yeah. People are always like, you know, uh, you guys are so loud about, you know, options and premium stuff, but like options protocols don't pump. Like, why do you talk about options protocols? I'm like, cause no, someone has to, like someone has, someone to, has be, to carry
0: the mantle. Yeah. <laughs> you know,
2: there have to be some people that are trying to like get people to understand options. So like, you know, me and, and the, the premium mafia or, and the ball cabal from the other protocols, like we're happy to kind of carry that torch. Um, you know, we, we, our communities may like pit themselves against each other, but like on the builder side, you know, we we get along with all of our quote unquote competitors. We've done spaces with them, thrown events with them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think we all kind of look at it like, we need to steal as much market share from Darabit and bring it to DeFi as we can. And, and then once there's liquidity for us to actually fight over, then we should like compete and fight with each other. Right. But like we're fighting over, you know, what like a hundred, 200 users right now. Like we should be, <laughs> we, we need to start fighting once we have like 200,000, 2 million users, yeah. you know, that, that are over here trading options. Yeah.
0: On that point, it makes so much sense. Like you get like coming up with standards for the entire industry, whether it's with with um you know with DeFi options. Um, I was gonna I was gonna ask you guys like why can't they just be ERC twenty tokens? Like why does there have to be a separate standard like a separate ERC for options?
2: It doesn't have to be a separate standard Mm -hmm. for for. Mm Are you saying, like, why did we choose ERC-1155s uh, in the beginning? And, like, why have we kind of stuck to that? Because I know or some no, other ones use ERC-721s for their for their options. Yeah,
0: you got – DK was talking about before, you know, 18 months out, you guys are coming trying to come out with, like, a standard for options. Um, uh,
2: yeah, we're more so just trying to standardize everything, you know, come up with a standard across options so that um, – for composability purposes, right? Like, oh, okay. Like you were um, – Like Kay was saying, you know, you can go on to Lyra and you can do one thing. You can go on to Open and do another thing. You can go on to Premium, but none of those products are composable. You can't buy on Premium, sell on Lyra, Uh. or anything like that. But if there was standardization across us all, then you could. And uh, you know that is something that we think would be huge um, for people to be able to take options that they've bought one place and sell them another place because of pricing. Yeah, that's something that exists in, you know, decentralized spot market. Why can't it exist in the decentralized in, options in market?
0: Options market. Yeah, no, totally. And that is one of the catalysts that could really get DeFi options on the map. Uh, do you guys see any other catalysts or any, anything else you see that could get DeFi options like front and center and turn those a hundred, 200 users to like, tens of thousands of users.
2: DeFi Catalyst. I think there needs to be I think we need to uh do like together as DeFi period like not just options like fix the UX issue like uh mm. when you look at like Robinhood you look at like a lot of these platforms uh for traditional uh structured products and derivatives um they are like dumb simple they spell out for a user, what they're doing, you know, I'm bullish on, you know, coin. I think coin will be above this price in this, like we need, we all kind of collectively need to do a lot more dumbing down. Cause so I think as builders, we kind of get lost in, uh, uh,
3: it's too close sometimes. Yeah. It's too close yeah. Sometimes like, yeah. Yeah. No, we definitely are. Yeah, in, true. yeah.
2: So if we have like another GameStop kind of moment, but let's say it's with, you know, there's cryptocurrency involved. I think that would be huge for options if there was a venue people could come to and get that like Robinhood-like experience.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's like, there's tailwinds in in a lot of regards. Like the UX is coming around, the infrastructure is starting to come around and mature for different ways to implement a better UX. The, you know, the, the cross-chain infrastructure is getting a little bit better. Um, there's like a lot of tailwinds um, there's a lot of like cohesion, especially within like different ecosystems. Like I know the Arbitrum ecosystem, uh, for example, is like, we, we've been working so close since the step, we were like all in our own silos. And now like every day we're chatting with them. How can we build things yeah. together? What are, you know, what are ways to, to integrate with each other? And there's like, we all knew that like, this would be a really good integration between these two projects. And we just never really prioritized it. And now that we're speaking and we're chatting, we're like, let's do it. Like, let's do it. We're, we're all in here. We're building together. We're like, um, and so like there's a lot of tailwinds in that regard. Uh, yeah. The UX across options in general, just needs to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, we all kind of know in the industry that we're not going to get the flow over from Darabit, especially on like the pro tail side, unless we're matching on fees because they're very, very, uh, rate and fee sensitive. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, we're already, you know, you'll see, like we, we matched Darabit on most of our fees. Um, you know you already see you saw, like some of our competitors they matched Airbit bit now um and so like we're getting the fees are getting there uh you're not going to be making it on trades right you're gonna have to make it on other products that you build on top of your exchange layer right we we, we get that now um mm-hmm. so it's like there's a there's a there's a lot that's coming together uh of of different things that we realized during the the bear market um that's all starting to converge now it's just it's great timing mm-hmm. uh so yeah I, I i think the space will be vastly different in Probably like end of Q1, uh, Ooh. and we'll see. Wow. We'll see what happens like going into mm-hmm. next year, right? Yeah. Uh, who, who knows what happens with an election year yeah. with, with the market. But so far, so good. Things are looking uh, good. Yeah, you uh, you so mentioned
0: far. the the SIP incentives. I want to go into that. Um, you guys got SIP incentives. What are your guys' plans about that? And what are your thoughts on the whole SIP governance process?
2: Ooh, you got the right people on to talk about that. Yeah. DK is, DK is yeah. a diplomat. We call him we call yeah. him DK the diplomat. Um, I'm the FRAX
0: <laughs> diplomat, so like,
2: I get it. <laughs> In the, yes. um, so we have uh, – we got 900K Arbitrum for the stipend. Nice. Um, 600K of that was applied to six of our vaults, our uh, RAP BTC call put vault, our Wrapped ETH call put vault, and our Arbitrum call put vault. The next phase of our incentives is about to start um that will be launched through a trading competition um and then we have that will be 200k arbitrum that will be given out for different incentives different tasks and placements pnl uh maker taker stuff um and then the last 100k will be used for partners so partners like frax and other other partners um, cool. looking to launch markets on premia um, we'll be using that Arbitrum to incentivize those pools and help bootstrap markets.
3: Yeah, uh, I, uh, when I when I alluded to it a little bit earlier that <laughs> we changed the priority a little bit is you have the step you get uh, Arbitrum DAO is willing to to essentially for, in, in our eyes, in the way we're utilizing is customer acquisition costs. Right? How do we pay someone to kind of play around with their protocol? Um, and we have this, like, you know, kind of a cold start problem, whereas we need a natural seller. So right now it's the vaults. I could see that, you know, changing three months from now, but right now it's the vaults. We need a natural buyer. We need exit liquidity. If you want to sell prior to expiration, uh, and we talked about that, how we're incentivizing that. And then we have that like hive activity, right? They're going back and forth and then the engine kind of kickstarts. And then, you know, hopefully things are looking good, uh, post once the engine, you know, once we get the engine going. So that's how we decided to focus our STIP allocation, is solving that cold start problem. Um, and if you want to get into the, the Arbitrum uh, DAO governance world. Yeah, I'm, let's hear it. Let's get into at. it. So, yeah, so I, I, uh, I'm, I'm involved a lot. Um, I, there's, I, uh, I've had two proposals in the last month uh, pass on snapshots. I helped another one get over the line for STIP extension which we're, we're a neutral player for. They just you know, needed an extra hand to kind of help that get that up on the snapshot. Um, but yeah, I, I play an active role within Arbitrum Governance. Uh, I'm not as big as, as some of the other delegates uh, per se, but I, I thoroughly enjoy it. And it's like, I love working with all the other, uh, you know, Arbitrum uh, delegates and builders. And uh, I, I do enjoy it uh, more than my previous time in, in other DAOs, because it is very much a bottom up approach. It is very much mm. a, this is not the guidelines, this is not the standard, this is what you had to adhere to to get grant funding. It's like, put up a proposal, right? It's like, get some buy in, right? <laughs> Do some lobbying. It's um, politics
0: in its truest form.
3: Yeah, it is. It, it, it's, it's, it's Wild West, and I love it. And uh, it's all about, like, you know, get, garnering support, uh, having conversations with people, having, you know, the because for the most part, like, the last i don't know forever it's all been premium right like all my calls are premium based and now i have you know like an hour two hours a day where it's it's dow stuff right which is mm. it's fun for me it's a different flavor um and we're doing we're building a lot of cool stuff we're getting like we're trying to take it slow um because you've already probably seen some of the the drama that happens and things that are moved fast that someone yep. just throws up a proposal and like doesn't get any support from it hasn't received like hasn't oh yeah we, we've seen feedback yeah and then of the wrench there's a, there's hate mail everywhere. I know I'm just, I'm just trying to be pragmatic about things. Right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and like, I, you know, we've been, we've been building in DeFi for a long time. There's a lot of DeFi in Arbitrum. And like, you know, I've, for example, smart contracts is one of the, one of the, the, the work groups that I'm leading, uh, excuse me, uh, auditing security services and auditing. And getting like that subsidized for arbitram builders of any size right so mm-hmm. that you know that you can build on arbitram and you're going to be provided these like suite of services that you get for being a builder on arbitram you already see another different ecosystems with pd teams take care of that right we're doing it from a doubt perspective
0: wait can we go uh, into that so you have these working groups and you help teams get funding for like audits and stuff like how does that work okay so taking a step back
3: um mm-hmm. We've started a few working groups out of some of the proposals that came through. So, I don't know, probably about a, six weeks ago, there were about four proposals on the forums for straight budget approvals for auditors. Right? We know that this is a, an issue. We've known that, like the venture market has been has been pretty it's been a desert for the last six months. There is a lot of projects that are building. They don't have any funding really. It's all bootstrapped or paying out of pocket, and they need a mark. They need a, a, a solid audit to go to market. Um, and what we've seen is, you know, some people, uh, some groups maybe cutting corners and going with like, you know, the, the Craigslist, uh, you know, to, to providers that the they could Backpage.com
0: provider. Uh,
3: <laughs> no, I mean, I, I say that, I say that in jest, but you know, it, it wasn't the best quality that there are some things that were like, you know, would have been found by any big auditing shop, but I get it. Like audits are not cheap. Um, and so like, how can we get some funding for arbitrage builders? And so what happened was we had like four different auditors that were doing like one-off budget requests, like 2 million for 2024. Right. And we knew that there would be diminishing returns. If, yeah. you know, after the second auditor has got this budget approval, you're like, okay, well, if you want to get subsidized, use one of these two auditors. Well, it's like, well, what if I already have an uh, existing auditor relationship? What if I already have a group of auditors I really like working with? Maybe I've had a retainer for the last year. They know my smart contracts in and out. I'm not going to just pick up and leave them if I want to get subsidized for this. Cause you know, like I said, auditing is a big, cost and uh, a lot of the projects in the space like are starting to feel it on the on the funding side right they're either cut you've seen a lot of cuts the last especially the last month um and so how can we help projects of a different size uh so instead of having you know like two auditors coming at a you know two million budget ask let's whitelist a bunch of auditors and then ask for like 10 million and then allocate that out so that's the kind of approach that we're mm-hmm. to taking it's a, a request for proposal framework it's, you know, you see it in a lot of, like, government procurement processes of, like, you know, either either you have a bunch of whitelist of providers, and then each one of the projects can can choose from these whitelist of providers, and there's a certain rate, some of like, insurance, right? There's, like, a negotiated rate that they'll, they'll pay for on your behalf, the Dow will, um, and what I was kind of seeing was that, like there were some people that were making decisions in there that were like delegates, but they weren't on the builder side. So it's like, they don't see the negotiations that go in with audit uh, requests. They don't see like the different, you know, tiers of audit providers. They've never experienced working with any of the audit providers. Yeah. So it's, so I, I was on an airplane actually. I was on my way to Mexico and I'm like, well, let's front run this and uh, get everyone to agree. Um, So yeah, I got that proposal up. Uh, on a Saturday, we like negotiated kind of like a ceasefire amongst, uh, some of those, those proposals that were coming up and it's been moving, It's been moving fast. We got, so that was the first, uh, snapshot that got like 99.8% support. Nice. And then the second one, we just put up of, you know, of what the next steps are. And then the, hopefully we'll have the procurement process set up by end of year, uh, it's, it's a lot of work. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But you work with a lot of projects. You work with a lot of delegates. Um, you get some of the connections that you wouldn't have otherwise.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, yeah. I'm always impressed with how dynamic the Arborstrom governance is and how, ground, like you said, ground up and grassroots is like people like – I think the big thing is like people truly care. Like a DK yeah. definitely comes out in your voice and how you speak about it and being involved in these politics. And like people wants, want what is – best for Arbitrum uh there's it's been like the DeFi chain it's been that chain for a while and like stuff like auditing which is like you know just all part of the process um so with with the audits you basically instead of like all these different proposals of like two million here two million there for separate audit groups basically they you basically negotiate with them as a collective for 10 million uh collectively to fr- provide audits to the Arbitrum yeah. ecosystem I'm just, it, I just threw yeah. out that number it's, yeah we haven't decided on that I'm
3: working on I'm working on <laughs> I'm I've been working working. With all of the uh all the auditors, right? So what there's are, a few different yeah. auditors that we've been working with, making sure that this process makes sense to them to get them whitelisted. Mm-hmm. I, I I was hoping to converge with another group on that. We'll see if that happens by year end. But yeah, I haven't even thought, started thinking about the funding side of things.
0: Yeah. What are um, some of the lessons you've had from politicking? Uh, what are some stuff that you've learned in DAO politics? Um. A lot happens behind the scenes.
2: The family mm-hmm. business, you mean? <laughs>
3: yes, sir. A lot happens behind the scenes, and sometimes you might just see a proposal come up, but there was probably 30 hours worth of work that went into it beforehand of just, like, getting everyone's feedback and having everyone kind of get the buy-in, um, you know, tailoring it to, to make sure that everyone, you know, at least reached a state of no contention, maybe not consensus, but at least no one contests it, right? Everyone, everyone can live with it. Um, and then you see like a some other a proposal that, that was like, oh, this is it seems easy enough, let's put up another one similar to that, but didn't do all that backwards. So it's like you, you don't see all the work that goes on behind the scenes, I say is the biggest takeaway. There's so much work that goes on behind mm-hmm. the scenes to get something uh, ready, uh, and, and, and everyone happy with it.
0: Um, uh, I, I, know, fine. Fine I know, I know how it. that feels. <laughs> Yeah, because we're largely funded by grants at Flywheel, and we've been scaling up our grants for the past year and a half. So, you know, first it was like eighteen k for three months, then sixty k for six months, then we got up to like two hundred sixty k for the year, and now I'm in the process of you know authoring some new grants. And you know, you take a lot of lessons from like your past experience and seeing like where costs are and everything. Yep. Uh, Yeah, it's and you know dealing with different stakeholders in the ecosystem and whatnot. Uh, So. It's it's been an experience, and we're we're on the precipice of a new grant at Flywheel, so uh, you know, definitely, yep, yep, big, big things ahead, uh, announced uh, soon tm, um, but yeah, um, so we're excited there. Um, so it seems like, you know, DK is uh, chilling for a sec. Because uh, outside <laughs> of uh, outside of premium, what is um you know twenty twenty four is you know close upon us. Uh, do you have any predictions? For 2024, like what do you expect in the world of DeFi in 2024?
2: You know, a wise man once said, "If you thought Super Cycle was over, you should have gone into a coma." <laughs> That's kind of how I feel going into the new year. I, I feel like uh, I try to think about like what other black swan events could happen. Me too. And I, the list is is dry. My bag's dry of Black Swans. I'm not. I'm not too sure what, like, what other exchange, uh, what third party service controls enough capital in the ecosystem to where something happening to them would like be a huge shock to the the like total macro crypto ecosystem, uh, or you know volatility in Bitcoin or ETH. Um, I just don't see that happening there's so many positive catalysts as well as, uh, sorry about that. Yeah. So many positive kind of catalysts, uh, on the horizon. Mm -hmm. Um, and the other thing is like, you know, price action already. And like, no one's, it's just us still stealing money from each other. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like there's not like huge inflows that you're seeing. Uh, it's just like, you know, the same people with maybe a couple of their friends who, who came back around. Um, (laughs) So that's pretty promising. Uh, I, I'm I'm pretty bullish going into uh, next year through the end of 2024. We'll see we'll see where we're at when we get towards the end of the year. Yeah, DK, what about you?
3: Yeah, I I I, I can definitely. Uh, so I have a like a bowling league that I go to on Monday nights with a bunch of my like normie friends, and so I use awesome. that as like as like a gauge of like, where's the market, right? Like, cause these are all the guys that were like buying that bought the top of last cycle, right? And like they're <laughs> texting me, they're like, I bought this, I bought that, what should I do with this? So like, I, I use it as a good barometer of where we are, right? And we are back, but they still have no idea. Like still, no, they, they haven't, they don't even, they haven't realized any of the price action yet. They haven't even, they, they haven't been following the price of everything like we have um they don't necessarily know that like pretty much all the stormy clouds that we had saw on the horizon are pretty much behind us right and it's like looking pretty blue skies so um yeah we're they're not back yet um which we have some know, time it, guys yeah, yeah we're back it, it,
2: they're not back yeah we're back
3: yeah exactly. <laughs> good point good. We're, all, we're all happy that. we're like you know things are looking good like there's like i said like this skies are blue but, um, yeah, they have no idea still. So uh, we'll see when the influx of users come in. I, I, I you know, who knows? Who knows yeah. when that's going to happen?
2: It and comes every, when uh, yeah. Tesla announces that Doge is the, the cryptocurrency form of payment they're allowing on Cybertrucks.
1: Yeah. Actually, <laughs> um, let, let me add a, a, you know, secondary question on top of this market um, topic is that usually – when we see these meme coins kind of pump so hard, is usually at like the last leg of the yep. cycle, you know. But then now we're kind of front running that last leg so that we can get to the next next cycle.
2: A lot of times, like though, hearing, it's an intro We're so right? early. No, a lot of times it's an intra-leg. Like you know, you have to remember that Ooh. the the meme coin profits then flow back to BTC, which then flow to ETH. ETH is always the last to pump. <laughs> it, goes, I, yeah. it goes alt, BTC, ETH, and then Doge, you know, on the heartbeat. But everything else, you know, I mean, is... I,
3: Vol was so low for so long mm. that like I think people were just getting bored, and that's why we saw a lot of the meme stuff happen so early totally. in the cycle. I, I mm-hmm. I'd be surprised. If now that things are a little bit back, if we see a lot of meme coin action, I mean, a lot of the meme coins from last cycle are, you know, they they they've had some like uh, litigation against them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I nope. I don't know I, if vol comes back and there's stuff for people to trade, then maybe there's going to be less of it on the on the front half of the cycle. I don't know.
1: Right, right. Nah. I mean, I'm just talking about right nah. now, right now with meme, yeah. with bonk, with like uh, ordi ticker um, Bitcoin, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ticker Bitcoin, exact. So I'm just like SPX 6900. It,
0: all those schizos yeah. are in my replies, dude. It's, every every kind of like post, rocking yeah. my brain a little yeah. bit.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, I cool. I definitely kind of uh, align with DK. I think a lot of those were because people were just bored and it's something fun mm-hmm. to trade. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but I also people just think want that, to feel something. Yeah, yeah. No, really, it is that. Um, but I but I also think that uh, given previous. Uh, cycles usually there is an alt rally then btc rips it punishes everyone who decided to still hold alts then eth catches up and punishes everyone who's still holding alts and then btc and eth rip more and punishes them more for not swapping to btc or eth and then alts run and and we all die
0: (laughs) then it's over (laughs) It's like an orchestra. It's like a whole symphony. It has its ups and downs. It's beautiful, and as you know, we're in the precipice of a of a new song coming up. So it'll be it'll be fun to ride this with you guys. Hell yeah, yeah. What uh, are I you think...
2: excited about, Dave? What uh, what are you know some things that you've been around now for for a little bit? What, yeah. What are uh, how are you feeling about the market? Are you as, are you as hopeful as us?
0: Yes, I am incredibly hopeful. Um, I've been thinking a lot about stable point about bam i've been thinking about a lot about bam um it's funny like i feel like my function for like the past seven years is always like take sam kaz's big brain stuff and put it in language for like just even just like normal people or like people that are like pretty smart to understand because he speaks at such a high level and if you don't understand his like prose it just goes over your head and, like, I've, been, I've, like, known him for so long that I'm able to just, like, break it down. And that's exactly what happened with, with Bam. Um, and it was, like, it's funny how that whole Bam gif came about was, like, I was hanging out with him. He was, like, hey, if you can, like, make a gif of Bam, like, I think that could do, like, that would just make life easier. So it took, like, some time to, like, understand how Bam works. I was, like, okay, I can sum this up in one sentence. Then I was, like, we got our guy, Peepo, to um, make a gif of it. And literally that one GIF just like took off and then like another, have like the classic screenshot of Sam and then boom, everyone's talking about it. So yeah. I'm ex- yeah, I'm excited about, yeah. Um, but another thing I've been thinking about is like with stable coins, like people talk about CBDCs and like, oh, like the US dollar, US dollar CBC. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think the Federal Reserve is going to issue oh, CBDC. No, no, no. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I don't think the Federal Reserve is capable of doing it, nor it's in their interest do, to do it. Um, I think you're going to have a bunch of like payment stable coins. And if you think about it, payment stable coins are just like it, it right now, like, like PayPal's, back, like PayPal's and not just PayPal's, but like, I think you could have like thousands of payment. Yeah. Stable yeah. I'm just throwing it out there. Banks. Like,
2: like, you know, for any listeners. So like they have a kind of an idea or a reference
0: yeah because it's like an unlimited buyer of u.s debt are these stable coins it's like a new it's like a new black hole to like fund u.s debt um so you have like china and like you know they're like the largest holder holder of treasuries and whatnot in like other countries but like as they look for alternatives like the u.s government is going to like want to find new holders of debt and now there's this internet frontier of sovereign actors in the on-chain world that can like be those holders so like it seems like it would make sense for the U S to like prioritize and like be friendly to stable coins. And it's just absolutely insane to me that they're not.
2: Here's a devil's advocate for you. Do yeah. you believe that we will be, uh, that 10 we'll say 20. Okay. 20 years from now that we'll still be using paper currency.
0: Paper, like paper currency in general. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: we've rid of good. like paper, like everywhere pretty much, but we still use, you know, we'll call it paper, paper currency. Like, so okay. like India,
3: right isn't that India doesn't it's all digital now
2: I think
0: it depends on the society like I was I mean I was in Japan and like they're still big on using paper currency and coins it's different um I I see in the U.S. I could see paper sticking around and like fiat sticking around and others in newer societies that like that jump like like you know kind of jump start like China and India like they went from like not having any technology to like you know doing everything on cell phones and I could see like complete elimination. Uh, But I can see papers sticking around for 20 years. I don't know, what about you? Then
2: I guess that supports your theory because mine is that it won't be around. That I I see everything has already started going digital. They've already started conditioning people to digital currency via Zelle, Venmo, Mm -hmm. all these like Mm. third-party payment providers, uh, direct deposit, directly from your phone, scan your check. You know, like everything is going uh, digital already and they're creeping it in slowly. So if you think about it in that that regard, what will the Federal Reserve issue the US as a national currency for people to use if we move away from paper? It It would only make sense that they then make a digital American dollar, which would then be a CBDC. And the benefit to them is that they're worried about all of the money laundering and money that's not accounted for and taxes paid for. Now they have tracked Uh, everything, all inflows and outflows from every person that they've issued money to. And for them, they can have their own private chain and they can do everything in the dark the way that they want to, and no one's going to be able to see anything. Like, I I just see them creating their own own chain that operates in a way where they can do things privately on their private side. Mm -hmm. And then the public side, public facing is what, you know, they'll use to track the rest of the American citizens.
0: I, I just don't, I mean, I just don't see that as being a way to like exercise efficient, A good monetary policy. I think, you know, the U.S. Federal Reserve kind of Federal Reserve system with, you know, the, the branches and the commercial banks has worked out really well over the past, like, 100 years in terms of growing the economy. Now, we can, like, say, we can talk about how, like, the dollar has decreased in value. Yes, but in terms of, like, U.S. economic might from, like, 1913 to now, I mean, to, like, for most of the 20th century, like, it became the number one economy in the world. Sure, because um, we have yeah. the
2: strongest military in the world. Military, yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean that's why. Like, you know, yeah. it, it doesn't matter how how down the dollar is if we'll nuke the shit out of you if you stop doing business with us. Uh,
0: that, that's a little yeah. dramatic. But, yeah, but what I'm talking about is like was with, with, with like you know how money is created with commercial paper. It's like banks, you know, they're 10 percent you know fractional reserve. Someone comes in for a loan, they basically create you know money out of thin air and whatnot. And like, haven't that has we been... seen that
2: in DeFi though? Like yeah. we know, we know that it's totally possible to do on chain to create, you know, money out of thin air. And, uh, it... It, the, I don't see them like operating any differently. I still see yeah. them printing money out of thin air. I still see them on mm-hmm. their private chain, losing billions of dollars every year. <laughs> it. Yeah. Um, I
0: mean,
3: the U S treasury did just request additional, um, ways to hold foreign stable coin issuers accountable i mean it's
0: yeah they did. i did see that with like yeah, tether. i mean it's
3: it's pretty much like for for tether but <laughs> yeah um i i mean i i agree with you uh i agree with you that i can see a world where there's a lot of payment issuers you get stacks on stacks of stable coins um yeah. and that's just where the that's where the the us dollar is actually, um.
2: I still think there will be third party it's, it's stablecoins shoved coins. under the
3: rug with the US dollars. I mean, US uh, stablecoins.
2: Yeah, like I still think there will be Amazon USD and PayPal USD, mm-hmm. and you'll still have all these third party stablecoin providers. But I think it will mm-hmm. all get, you know, settled with some type of CBDC at the end but of if the day. you never there. have to take your
3: money out of the system. It's just like another layer of this, you know. Yep. Well, it's like, guess. what do you
2: take money for out right now? Like, you know, no one takes cash out. You, you, I mean exactly. some of us but now you,
3: you stack another layer on top of it and you get another layer of abstraction. Yep. Um, so, no, I'm I'm agreeing with Dave. I'm i know I know what Dave, you're but. saying. <laughs> I'm saying I agree with you. I know what you're
2: saying that you get another layer of abstraction. I just mean like if you um I'll just stop. I could go on a tangent forever about how I think uh, yeah. that uh, my my whole path into like Bitcoin and crypto is because at that time of my life, I was very tinfoil hatted about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the government wanting to, you know, track, record everything you were doing. And I saw what was happening in other countries. You gave India as an example. They're actually a great example of where governments come in and they just reset the money, you know, and it's like, yeah seeing like a lot of people don't think about it they're like that would never happen well it does happen happens in other countries all the time um so well i shouldn't say all the time it's happened in other countries in the past and recently in history so it's not Mm -hmm. far-fetched to say that it could happen at some point in time in the future and even a developed country like america so that that like thought that this could happen is what drove my interest into Bitcoin. Um, so, so I still have you know, some of that tinfoil in me where I, I believe that their ultimate goal is to track and control like everything that we're spending and doing and you know, obviously get their money for that. And their biggest issue right now is that they're not getting all of their money from us. So how do you do that? You put in a system that they can, you know, there's no way not to track it.
0: Yeah, I guess like where I could agree with you, is if that if a CBDC isn't created, but if they like make like a certain payment stablecoin as like this is like the stablecoin in which like everything like settles in and everything goes back to that, and that stablecoin has like a direct line, or like a few different payment stablecoins have a direct line to like the Federal Reserve, and they have their like tracking system that way. I can see that as more conceivable. I just don't think like that the Federal Reserve. Is I could be wrong, is capable of creating like a CBDC, nor is is it in their interest. I think they're more concerned about like the monetary policy of fiat right now. Like they're looking into it, but I don't see it. But like, I see for smaller countries and city states like Singapore, like Hong Kong, like CBDC is 100% to, Estonia. To be clear, 100%. I
2: definitely don't think like the the talks that like you know some uh uh states you know in the US are having and fears over CBDCs coming i don't think this is something that's going to happen like a year from now or 5 years mm-hmm. from now even but i do think that within the next maybe decade that this is something that uh governments of developed countries start like heavily considering and implementing
0: yeah uh, yeah we can talk about this uh for 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 a minute um i'm not know, kit what are your thoughts here
1: i I think in terms of the u.s side i don't think the cbdc will come out it would rather be a lot of more privatized stable coins like jp morgan coin but effectively it's still state-owned but Mm -hmm. it doesn't come with that reputation risk if something were to happen right because the u.s government is not going to want to put its name on something that it can't fully fully control but it could exert pseudo or proxy control over, say, you know, JP Morgan, any of the big four, big eight banks um, in in the U.S., I think they'll probably do that instead of issuing one on their own. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think what else I've been
0: excited. We just went on like a large, a long tangent with that. I'm trying to think what else I'm excited about in crypto. I mean, there's so much shit going on. Um, I'm really excited about sub DAOs, to be honest. Uh, We had Rune on to talk about sub DAOs uh with what they're doing with maker and like you know like Dow we, we saw like you know the kumbaya dow phase in like 2020 2021 it was funny i went to um what was it what was it? mcon i went to mcon in 2021 and like it was all like bull market vibes and then 2022 mm-hmm. it got real and then this year it was just like it got real yeah, we need to have, yeah it was like oh fuck it's like these are actual organizations we need to have standards like how do you not just like onboard people but like Offboard people and like yeah. how do you have quality control and all that and then in 2023 there wasn't even an mcon to go to so like that, that was like the, the dow phase but like i think if you can like run or if there's like a way to like if like you align incentives with protocols how do you like align incentives with like with people if you can like do that right i think like well, it has to be download. a passion
2: project for them, right? I think a lot of the problems with DAOs is that people are excited because it's something new at first and they're like, oh, I want to take part in this. But because they're not building it, it's like it's not full time for them or it's not their true passion. Yeah. It's just like, oh, OK, you know, what? like I'm just I don't feel like doing this anymore you know, it's just extra work. So you're right. You have to align incentives or you have to find a group of people that are actually passionate about pushing forward, whatever the goal of that sub DAO is maybe it's event planning and organizing like, great. Like if that's, maybe that was your job in the real world. So you're really going to excel at that here. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, you can take part of that and lead like a subgroup that does that for, for, you know, uh, an L2 or something. But uh, I think a lot of it is like finding people that align with, you know, your, your, I don't want to say vision, but your passion um, to run those mm -hmm. types of groups.
3: I've been thinking about this actually a a decent amount. And I'm like, what kind of limits like leadership roles within like sub DAOs or, you know, running working groups? What is the reason that, you know, there's not a lot of take up when especially when there's like so much money like in play here? Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of it being short term nature commitments disincentivize people. That like are super talented, um, and that have the skill set to leave the, whatever they're currently doing to then invest the time in something that you know is 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 it, it, it's it's a big commitment to like leave a role that you're doing if uh, to if leave a cozy skillset.
2: secure you know exactly, uh, right. desk so, like, job unless
3: unless you commit to these individuals um and if you look like, it's like already you get so much pushback on rates. like what how much this person is getting right what is a, mm-hmm. an agreeable rate right to pay this person you get so much pushback on that already um what why would someone yeah who has that that safety um and they're Girls. already enjoying what they're doing why would they leave mm-hmm. that right so you're not mm-hmm. going to get the best talent in the current models that we see um yeah it's like how do we how do we do that so we can you know still adhere to a maybe a shorter time window maybe like a six month or something, but if it's renegotiated or if it's continued from that point, they have way more upside, right? Of mm-hmm. being able to take advantage of that, right? So you have to invest, you have to introduce vesting. You're gonna have to introduce like ways to get people out of those, those roles that they're currently in. Yeah. And right now it's just not there.
0: Um, a few months ago, we actually saw, it was on the Curve Forum, uh, requests for funding for all their different working groups and subgroups. Um, it was like a few I, I'm not sure how much it was. it was like definitely in the millions and um and and there was this whole discussion, and it ended up not passing for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, you can make the argument on the on the the proposer side saying like, hey, like if we wanna you know get the top talent and they're they're not gonna leave their jobs at Meta or in Silicon Valley to go like be in a much more unstable position working for a DAO, and especially if you're not going to pay them as much, um, you know, we have to be, we're not just competing with other people in crypto, we're competing with like other people in all of tech. But on the other side of like the people that like had, you know, things like, you know, what could have been improved, it was like, you guys didn't do the proper politicking, like, where's the accountability? How's this funds be? How are these funds being allocated? You know, what's the timeline? Like, Could you have like split this up into smaller proposals? So I think it's kind of, you know, at the end of the day, it just comes down to communication between, you know, with politicking, like those proposing and key stakeholders and the community at large Um, and just getting everybody aligned. And like, it doesn't have to be like, Oh, like perfect, but it just has to, like, people can just like live with it Um, and then it gets passed and then you can see where you can improve. You can keep people accountable. As long as you can see progress, made and see like how you know actual gains and results from there that should really like all that matters at the end of the day
3: and just people without precedent people are like sometimes struggle to mm-hmm. as a dow voter to like vote on anything and but you're not going to get precedent unless you yeah, it's like
0: a chicken egg problem yeah yeah, yeah that, that's why i say like with proposal like people like proposing dows like start small start with like a trial like that's what we did at flywheel like just you know, 18 K for six, like for three months, like something low pressure show, like, you know, Hey, we're committed. And that's how you build trust with the community. Cause it's like, even if you're like a big name and you like come into a DAO and just because you have a name does not necessarily mean you're going to get the funds, like, and mm-hmm. stuff like people like big main names are thrown like here and there, like all the time.
2: I don't want to throw them under the bus, but I saw a recent Ave, or maybe it wasn't recent, but <clears throat> I saw an Ave uh, grant. Uh, or AVE DAO forum thing that one of their contributors was uh, being bluntly honest with, we'll say practicing radical candor with uh, the uh, service provider that was requesting for more funds. Um, You know, and I think maybe more of that needs to happen. A lot of people are afraid to speak out. You know, they think like, uh, there's two problems. One being that, uh, not enough people are are willing to speak out because they're afraid of how that may impact their relationship with other service providers in that mm-hmm. kind of sector, or other uh, maybe members of the DAO, other protocols that have worked with them or have ties with them, and the other one being on, um, like the the voting or delegate side that uh, the ones that aren't builders don't know the the relationship or how actually working with some of these groups are. So for them, they just see a big name. They think of the reputation that comes along with it. So they think, hey, this will be Mm -hmm. good for them to partner with them. Uh, It will only bring about more attention and, you know, then more users. And, you know, they just think of it in regards of, like, attention gravity and that, oh, more attention gravity, more good. Um, And they don't actually understand that, you know, just because they're a big name doesn't mean that they're allocating the resources or the time Mm -hmm. uh, to the protocol that some of the other ones may be and that those ones – will maybe be the big name in another year or two years you know and uh so yeah there's there's you can definitely lump it all into like communication
0: yeah and i think there's like something to be said about like there's a lot of service providers and like you know some service services like audits like those are obviously going to work with like a bunch of different protocols and like it's fine that like audits are like a service in themselves but there are like other services maybe like marketing or bd or like other things which are like could be things that could be internal to the protocol or to the DAO, but that are like that someone that's external is providing or is like proposing. Um, It's kind of like, like with those kind of things you need some sort of loyalty built up. You need some sort of like missionary nature to it. Otherwise they're just not going to have the same passion because it's mercenary nature. It's just like, it's a transaction like, Oh, they're good. You see this a lot with like PR. Uh, That's like a good example. Like, Oh, you like, you, you pay for PR, you try, they try to like do maybe traditional PR or like try to like drum up like whatever new product release or token this or that. And you don't really get the results. Um, I know I rem- in the past, I remember like for in past things I worked at, um, I would do a better job getting PR for where I was working than the hired PR firm, because like I knew, I knew like how to construct the narrative and how to present it to the journalists and, you know, I yeah. I was like part of the project, so it's just like it, it makes a difference when you actually care. <laughs> at the end of the day,
2: yeah. One thing I've talked about before being that like we're you know a pseudo anonymous team. Uh, the the detriment to that is you know that like you don't have the face that people can initially like just trust because there's like the face and name to it. So you know like I've I've said to people that uh, being anon is both uh, it, it, like. The benefit to it is that although it takes a while to like build up uh, a reputation of trust, or you know, a, a long uh, uh, line of like cumulative proof of work that like you can show uh, behind you. Um, it can be taken away like in a split second. So like if you fuck up, then like that reputation is tarnished. And sure, you can spin up a new uh, identity, but it takes a really long time long in the time. industry to build up trust and to build up a reputation again. So it's like it's really difficult uh, because you can't just like, you know, go on and smile and make people feel like empathetic towards you because of your emotion and they can connect with you. Like when you're your real self, you know, and using your your face and people can say like, no, I saw Dave talk, you know, like, he's really sorry, and, like, let's give him another chance. Like, when you're Anon, they're like, no, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you <know>? he's hiding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He won't even show us who he is anyway. Fuck him. Like, you know, so it's really, it, it's like, uh, you have to to really, like, uh, build a strong, uh-huh. uh, like, line of proof of work to have that reputation. Yeah. And, and Speaking of
0: Anon's, that uh, completely tarnished their reputation, Cozy, remember Gavagul? Of course, Oh my God, man. that was heartbreaking, uh, man. That was I, uh, heartbreaking. Yeah. It sucked
2: because I I had just met him like in person, um, you know, maybe like a month beforehand. I and, think we were that
0: we met him together.
2: Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah, it yeah, was a, dinner. Yeah, yep, we went to some dinner and like I met him and then uh, I saw him again like uh, that weekend somewhere and he seemed like a really nice, like genuinely yep. good guy. And, uh, when all of that happened, I like, I couldn't believe it. And I just reached out to him and I was like, please tell me this isn't true. And he just told me that it was, he just said like, I'm really sorry. I'm going to put out an official statement, but it's like, it's hard to just uh, explain. Yeah. Sorry to let you down. And I was like, Oh fuck. Wow. Like, I-, I give it to him for just like admitting it to everyone and not trying to hide, but like you know it sucks once you, and that's a prime example. You know he had a, a really good thing going for him. He was like leading things over at Velodrome, uh, kind of leading I think BD with them over there. And the info uh,
0: token, he had a bunch of things going. Info
2: token, and you know he had he had like a good group of like analysts and kind of trustworthy builders that were supporting him. And you know, yeah, like that, you you fuck up and your uh your reputation is gone.
0: gone. Yeah.
2: Um. So yeah, you you have to um. I don't know some advice for for the pseudo anon anon builders you know always put your best foot forward uh keep yourself out of drama don't show things that aren't your own project and uh <laughs> you should be alright
0: Yeah take extra precaution uh DK do you have any uh, advice to anon builders and founders out there Look I mean we <laughs> we
3: when we started right so the 2020 era when we met uh, we launched what premium in 2021 we were very protective of our privacy so I think that that part of being privacy forward is still like ingrained in a lot of what we do mm-hmm. but um, we've uh we've made a lot of compromises in in, in that in that time so we're like we're like barely anon now um, mm-hmm. which has its benefits uh, and like obviously we're always at events and when we have events people like meet us in, in person but mm-hmm. I, I like living in the metaverse, so that's why you're seeing me here. But yeah, yeah. I would say, I, I would agree, like, if you're anon, non, people are going to criticize every move that you make with extra scrutiny and like any shady bit of thing, that, anything shady that you do is immediately discussed amongst the, the, all the different communities that, that mm-hmm. are around. Like, oh, did you see that like weird thing that that group was doing? Or like, oh, they disappeared for a while or whatever. Like, we, we, we all talk. Um, and you're going to be scrutinized more and it mm-hmm. could be even for like like the better of like you know making sure that you're always on the right path uh mm-hmm. but yeah you, you 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 can't you know you can't cut any corners um yeah. but you you do get the added benefits of you know some of the like wrench attack type of uh privacy uh yeah. that that you get with being pseudo online but at right. this point like I mean, you can find us online, like, super easy.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I, I I've, yeah. Dave's met me. I'm, I always tell people, like, I'm happy to meet them in person at, like, premia-specific or, like, you know, uh, industry events. Um, it's more so because I'm, I'm very conscious of just the world we live in, right? And, like, uh, those of us that are taking advantage of the volatility in crypto are generally much better off than the people who live in the areas around us. And I think that it's just, you know not very smart to put an additional target on your back when you're selling pictures of monkeys for hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, you don't know what the person in the next cul-de-sac is doing to pay rent to, to fix their car or anything. And, uh, you know, I've got kids, I don't, I don't want their life being in danger because, you know, I've, I've sold some pictures online, you know, and, uh, I think that's like the main reason, uh, that I choose to still, be Mm -hmm. like pseudo anon even though I'm happy to like meet people that are working in the industry, but it's just to like, Mm -hmm. you know, protect myself from the people who are not within the industry, uh, who may look at it as an easy opportunity, um, to, to come up. Um, Mm -hmm. there was one thing I was going to say that I'm trying to think of what it was on, uh, on something for builders. Um, I don't know, maybe it'll come to me in a minute.
0: Yeah, uh, privacy.
2: I mean, there's a lot of
3: us now. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I feel like in 2020, well, like it because there was there was a good period of, I don't know, two years, especially coming out of DeFi summer, where, like, if it was an anonymous founder project, it was probably a rug, right? And, like, and we still put the money in them, and they still rugged Rugs. us. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, yeah, yeah. we've all been there, right? Like, we've all done it um and so then anyone that was anonymous for like you know for the next year was it was a rug right definitely a rug they're not going to get any traction um but the guys that have stuck with it like i mean they, like at this point I, I are there any anonymous real projects anymore i don't know a lot of the builders in this space that are anonymous you're, have been here for like two three years
2: yeah like i'd say you're, yeah but that's what i'm saying like um, they've
3: all been here for two or three years right they yeah. have established and and i, I would say that the, a lot of the online personas are worth so much to these individuals. So like, there's, there's not going to be a rug because they make more, uh, like they, they've built and put so much of their identity into these personas that they're worth significant amount there's of capital more. to these people. Right. So like, yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
3: I, I, I'm trustworthy of a lot, uh, especially if you have like a big Twitter following and you've been building in this space and like you're constantly involved in other projects. Yeah. Uh, th- yeah, it's just like, there's a lot of your identity associated with this that you won't, you know you're not willing to get rid of it uh
0: yeah i mean satoshi set the standard for anons like i think it's so important that, and he followed and followed through and he left and no no one can really get a read on who he or she or they is um and i think like because of satoshi that's why like anons will always be accessible and they should be they should be it's like satoshi is bryce wiener yeah
2: (laughs) bryce it's Bryce Wiener. That's who Satoshi is. Uh, uh, who's <laughs> Bryce? I have no idea who he is. He's like an old school like, shit coiner. He launched like a token for like a ton of countries back in the day. <laughs> I always joke around and say he's Satoshi. It's a funny uh, name. It's a great name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me think. Greg uh, Wright's going to come after you for that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I don't care. <laughs>
0: yeah. My my favorite conspiracy theory about Satoshi is he's a super intelligence from the future.
2: Mm. Yeah, oh, uh, I, that that meme kind of came from, uh, or that idea came from a meme that the twenty one eight meme, right? <laughs> everyone thought it was like uh, uh, Satoshi was using a quantum computer from the future to to mine something, but to mine this hash, but it's just a magic <laughs> number. It's
0: just a number. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we're, we're coming up towards the end of the interview, uh, almost yeah, hour, 45 minutes. But before we go, we would like to, we always do a lightning round. to like get to know you guys like off the chain and what you guys like, like to do when it's not doing crypto things. So Kit, uh, go ahead with the first question.
1: All right, so uh, I'll kick this off with uh, DK here. And what was your virgin crypto experience? When did you first touch the blockchain and sex doesn't count?
3: Mm. Uh, So I didn't come into blockchain until Ethereum. So it was post Ethereum ICO. It was probably about four weeks prior to uh, the DAO hack. Uh, I used to make actually YouTube videos. Um, And I used to talk about like, because I worked in traditional finance before I left. It was 10 years, Um, but this was back in like 2015, 2016 era. So I used to make videos about like uh, settlement, right? Like using blockchain and Ethereum for settlement, Mm -hmm. right? It was a big thing. Uh, Operations at uh, bulge bracket banks are massive. They're massive operations. They cost billions of dollars. And I'm like, a lot of this can go away. Right, there's a lot of, there's a lot of processes back then. So, anyways, I used to make videos on like using it for voting and using it for settlement and like stuff like that. Uh, those those the videos never got any views. Um, but you know, the ones about like buy ETH on Gemini and it was like nine dollars, you know, would be a hundred thousand views, right? That's not what I wanted to talk about, but this is not very fast for Lightning Round. But anyways, that it was it was post DAO hack. Original Mew, my, my Ethereum wallet, right? It was like a standalone app. They originally yeah. wanted to put like dApps into it. Um, uh, and it was, you know, prior to the MetaMask extension. Uh, and that mm-hmm. was like the first time that I was, when I was moving money between Mew and MetaMask extension, I think it was like the first time that I, you know, and then between, yeah, that was the, the first time I touched the blockchain.
1: And Cozy, what about you?
2: No, mine was Bitcoin, eh, like early on, uh 2013ish, downloading like regular, you know, uh Electrum Bitcoin wallets using uh that way. But then <clears throat> uh, we'll say like my main like uh my real dive was when I started mining. Um mm-hmm. and that oh. was because prior to that I was building uh, you know, Hackintoshes and and found out you could mine cryptocurrency with uh with computers, so I was like, why don't I just you know, add some extra GPUs to these and then mine crypto with them. And uh, so, yeah, I was a huge shit coiner, was mining, was spec mining uh, early on and uh, met a lot of crypto people who are still around, a lot of CT who's still around today from like the, that 2015, 2016
1: era. Super cool. And then um, last question from me and then I'll hand it over to Dave, but what is your favorite off-chain touch grass activity? Let's start with cozy, hobbies and interests.
2: Um, let's see, T- traveling in general. I like, I love to travel. Um, uh, I'm more of a, a beach uh, guy than, than uh, woods, but I do enjoy like hiking and, and mountain climbing and stuff like that. Um, but other than that, I, I play a lot of video games. <laughs> nice.
1: Cool. DK?
3: I'm a, I'm a simple man. Uh, taking my dog for a walk, you know, the the getting away from my computer, unplugging even if it's like for 25 minutes, uh, I do appreciate the, the the minimal amount of time I spend uh, off the internet.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Uh, my final question is: uh, Who'd you recommend as a guest? Who do you want to see on Flywheel next?
2: Ooh. Mm. Who do I want to see on flywheel next?
3: It's difficult because like yeah. we just we just had a talk we had a really good talk with Dolomite this week. I know you guys. Oh, we had them. Had them yeah, we did. Yeah.
1: yeah, we just
2: had them. Have you talked with yeah. Silo yet? Because I mean that would be uh, if you talked with, if you've done Dolomite, uh, Silo provides uh, well, we'd love a little guys. bit different. Oh, the um, Silo guys, yeah, because yeah, they do isolated lending, so it's a bit different than Dolomite. Maybe them. Mm-hmm. Um. Have you had Pendle on talk to those? Yeah. Guys. Oh, we, we talked to Pendle guys in Singapore. There yeah. you go. Uh, if you talk to Camelot,
0: Are we have Yeah. We should bring Not Camelot. On. There you
2: go. Yeah. Bring so get get uh, boots, sir on Iron on. boots on here. Yeah, sir. Um, Iron boots. Yeah. One moon would probably be interesting. Now that he oh, had, had on one moon, We got him. he was, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I actually remember seeing you guys. Uh, I think he, uh, I, I think, think he, he said,
3: today. he said Corey from night, He Sorry, did say Corey. Exactly. Yeah. Cause we like, we all talk a lot. Like I told you, we're so close with these guys now post uh step. So it's mm-hmm. yeah, iron boots is a good one. Um, the silo you, guys, we love the silo guys.
2: If you want just like a fun convo, definitely like the risk or smiley guys. Uh, oh yeah. They're, they're super they're smiley. Yeah.
3: They're,
2: they're, they're Dan from the,
3: Risk is my, is my vote. Final, final answer.
2: All right. Mm-hmm. He said, Dan, I, the smiley guys would be fun. They're, they're all just like, Real high energy, you know. There, yep. yep. Like, uh, okay. You know. Okay. Big volatility uh,
0: bulls. So um. Let's use yeah. the name. Oh, what about Marty? Would Marty come on?
2: Yeah, br- oh, Marty would come to. on. Yeah, I mean, Marty yeah. would probably oh. love to come on. He'd, he'd come and share would, with you guys.
0: Yeah. Oh no, I'd love to have Marty on, especially just like we'd just vibe over Brazil.
2: <laughs> oh, he'll talk to you sometimes on our our we we do a stream Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays in the morning at like eleven mm-hmm. in the morning. Eastern God's time, and uh, God's time, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Marty will. If we let him, he would spend the whole hour talking about Brazil. He sounds like me. <laughs> sounds like me. He fucking no. loves it there.
0: Yeah, no, I, I go down there a good amount. Big, big fan. Um, and like, you know, the, the, more I go down there, just like the more purpose I have going down there, not just, just to enjoy myself, but there's like a lot of like cool stuff happening in crypto and especially DeFi.
2: You know, I remember what it was earlier. It's not even anything big. It was just going into like, you know, the not getting yourself into anything like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I met the guys at insert finance. They do like mm. some NFT financialization stuff. Like I'm doing something with them where they're, they're like, you know, offering up a mint to come play Fortnite with me. Right. And mm. when they were explaining it to me, they're like, yeah, you know, people who spin, they can earn ETH and they'll earn mint and da da da, And then you'll earn fees. And I was like, how about, I don't earn anything. You just distribute all of that back to everyone minting. And all I want is an NFT from the thing and to like, have fun. Cause like, even that, like I just don't want anything coming back to me to where like oh well he took he's taking fees for this, or he's taking fees for that. It's probably mm-hmm. not frowned upon at all, but I'm so allergic to like just uh doing anything that could like be frowned upon it's even why mm. like i shit post a lot less than i used to i'm like ripping on people way less than i used to like yeah. 20, 2023 uh cozy is way different than 2021 2022 cozy he's uh, grown I'm, up he's more mature i'm just cozier i just try he's I'm cozier trying, i'm trying not to like cause conflict you know with people uh you know i think we get a lot more done if we're all just you know trying to find yeah. ways to work together or work alongside each other like you don't have to like people People to build something with them, Um, you know. You don't have to like someone to be in the same room as them. So, like, you know, there's no reason to, to, you know, belt out and tell the world how much you dislike or despise some other, you know, protocol or person.
0: No need for beef for all vegetarians here.
2: (laughs) Maybe in the metaverse I am. Yeah, in In the the metaverse. metaverse. In the metaverse, no beef. I'm a vegetarian.
0: Yeah. Yeah uh well cozy dk we're, we're coming up on almost two hours uh thanks so much for coming on uh and where can people find you guys on twitter and find uh, premia
2: you can find me at v cozy with a zero instead of an o dk is dk3anon on twitter and then you can find premia at premia finance we, sh- we need to change that dk it should be premium we need to change the
3: premium i mean we can't tell we can't tell people what we're going to change it too
0: <laughs> but <laughs> keep where them on your toes
3: it's, 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 it's on the to-do list it's definitely on the to-do list yeah we get
0: twitter yep. premium this month <laughs> all right guys thanks so much for coming on and we hope to see you soon Yep, thanks Appreciate again time guys thanks boys <laughs> greetings everyone welcome to the post game i'm your host DeFi dave here with capok k we are wrapping up a marathon of an episode with the Premier guys. We went from talking about options, the ins and outs of how Premier works, how options work, you know, where you can find product market fit with op- with options and how to get there, to uh, talking about like GFI and DAOs and crypto in general, just like what's on our minds, you know, the DAO politics of Arbitrum. We went and we we went all over the world here, all over the chain here. Um, and uh, Kit, what are your thoughts on this one? What do you think of Premiere as a product compared to other option protocols that we had on here?
1: So I, I coming into this interview, I expected them to be like the other option protocols where they're building such super cool product, and with you know for 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 who, you know, <laughs> that was always yeah. like my question. But then when they expressed how they view you know options as like a tool in the tool shed that kind of accompanies things that are popular right now, such as perps are, I think, you know, yes, now this project is different. They're not only building the product, but they're thinking about distribution. On the last episode with Gelato, the founder said, right? You know, first time founders think about product, second founders, second time founders think about distribution. And uh, spot on. And I feel like, you know, uh, Premia has a proper approach to getting those users. So they're not building for the users today. They're building for the users tomorrow. And I, tomorrow. I think that's, that's, that's good.
0: Yeah, that was the most exciting part when they were talking about the uh, the shared portfolio margin, like that the things that are possible there, um, and like that seems like you know like they call it the holy grail and the killer product, and like that seems to be like the PMF for options, like something like like that. Um, I really enjoyed this movie, interview, especially towards the end, and we were just like because I've known cozy for a bit, we were just like chopping it up and just like talking mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. you know what we thought about like CBDCs and we, what we you know thought about the space and like. You know what it means to be anon. You know I think they're the first ones to come on as like cat boys uh, with the Anata NFTs. They those were sick. You know what's funny? Usually when I do these interviews, I usually like I can't I like you know I think it's like habit. Like on a Zoom call, you just like look at yourself, so it's just like you're looking at yourself. But with this interview, I was just like I had them and I was just like looking at them and like seeing like what fine. Oh, there's a squiggly in the background. There's a moon cat like pimped out. Um. But you know, I good good guys for sure i'm like excited uh you know good good actors in the space like been around for a, a while and in a, a minute and you know i think it's interesting you know, how like Ko- i remember when cozy Kro- used to be like super adversarial on twitter and just like always starting beef so it's interesting to hear him now like be like i'm chill i'm like a much cozier a vegetarian state. state. Yeah. vegetarian
1: arc yeah. vegetarian
0: <laughs> he's a vegetarian he's a oh, peace kumbaya type he's eat. an herbivore a herbivore yeah. an herbivore yeah, yeah. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the whole, I, I know that like, um, probably like Dow politics, like is not, it's not your forte, but like with yeah. the STIP proposal, cause that was like a big deal in the Frax community too. Like, what are yeah. your, what are your thoughts on like the STIP proposal in general and like how like Premier like traverse that? I mean, or I actually let me revert that, uh, the yeah. STIP
1: proposal in terms of customer acquisition. Ah, okay. Then, mm-hmm. uh, let, let me take a step back and first caveat this is I didn't really follow it that tightly because again, the DAO stuff, I kind of leave it up to you slash Sam to kind of keep me updated on, but my thoughts around how to use it as a tool for customer acquisition, I feel is very um, generous of Arbitrum to do. And obviously Arbitrum needs to do it because it needs to crank up the transaction number. So it's not generous in the sense that they're just giving it away. But I feel that, you know, providing the support to seed liquidity initially is critical like that's that's obvious but i think mm-hmm. the more nuanced part was like allowing each DAO the flexibility to do what they want with it's mm-hmm. good you know normally like if i were to liken this to gaming if a publisher were to publish your, your game they would then pretty much run the live operations do customer user acquisition for you and they have a pretty strict mandate around that and they control how the money mm-hmm. is spent kind of users a target like they, they, they own all of that and the, the, the game studios usually just take it and just like hope users come in and, and they, they operate around that. But whereas, mm-hmm. you know, Arbitrum is literally giving these tokens away and letting each individual studio in, in the analogies that I was saying, decide how to use it best. Right. Because mm. these, everyone knows their community best. And I think yeah. that the secondary effect is like these emergent uh, um, emission mechanics came out, like Dolomite came out, right? With, Dolomite. Which I thought it was so clever. So I think it, th- this unintended consequences of this emergent emission mechanic, I think is a great experimental. Yeah, you know, uh, you uh, you
0: know I just realized thing. we've
1: been interviewing a lot of Arbitrum projects. Premia, Dolomite,
0: uh, Umami. Yeah. Maybe we yeah. should
1: file for an Arbitrum grant. Yeah, maybe we should file, <laughs> you know, maybe we should file
0: for an Arbitrum grant, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I, it's kind of, like, interesting that naturally, like, we go where DeFi goes. And, like, there's a ton yeah. of DeFi on Arbitrum. Um, and, yeah, like, true. you know, we're true. not we doing it because of DeFi their Arbitrum. Goes. Yeah, we go where DeFi it's on, it's on Arbitrum, um, you know, so, you know, it's interesting to see. And I think that would, it's what really gives, like, Arbitrum staying power. It's, like, not just all these DeFi protocols, but also, like, the ground-up uh, DAO politicking that takes place for, like, not just the SIP proposals, but for all this other stuff. Uh, you know, they're talking about, like, you know, working groups or audits and for other things. And I'm curious if, or, like, what they may have in store this week that they told us, like, uh, you know, after the show. I won't leave it at that. And Arp yeah. from Dowland. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this was, uh, this was a lot of fun. Like, been wanting to talk to uh, Cozy for a while. And it was definitely a Cozy interview. I just like to give a shout-out to uh, V.E. Horny, uh, who's the one.
2: It's uh, one of the funniest
0: people on Twitter. And he's the one that, like, connected FRAX with Premia, like, back in the day and like uh and he's the one he, he's he people he would, we, we wouldn't have people without ve horny i don't know if you know that
1: i d- i did not know that
0: yep 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 so like shout out horny um you know you you demand uh but yeah that wraps it up here if you want to keep up with everything uh at flywheel make sure you go ahead hit that bell button right now make sure you subscribe leave us a comment let us know what you think Give us a like. Every little bit helps. Make sure you follow us on our social media at DeFi on Twitter, Telegram, TikTok. Uh, Subscribe to FlyboDeFi.com for all the latest updates, insights about Frax DeFi and everything in between. You can follow me on Twitter at DeFiDay22. You can follow me at 0 Capital underscore K. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.